0: podcasting from a radioactive bunker deep inside the bracket compound this is show spoilers episode 16 today we're talking westworld season 2 episode 4 the riddle of the sphinx but before we get into this exciting episode uh, let's introduce ourselves this is kevin and joining me as always is my co-host brad hyen hey everybody Oh man, this one I'm telling you, it's. It, I think we were talking last week about was was the last episode the best episode of the season and
1: we've been saying that every week. Yeah, <laughs> I know it,
0: it gets better every week, but could this possibly be the best episode of the
1: entire series? Uh, yeah, I think a friend of the show Devin when he pointed out on my on uh, a Facebook post that like it just had everything. It did everything right this week. That like I mentioned a couple weeks ago on episode two's podcast that. I'm most intrigued by the creation of Westworld and uh, William and the Man in Black and how he became the Man in Black and everything that happened in those 30 years. And this episode just covered so much of that. I mean, that, that's what grips me. I like what's happening in Westworld right now, but the history of it is what, is what really gets me. And this episode had it all.
0: It's fascinating. But before we get into that, let's uh, give a couple of quick, uh, uh, oh, I guess not really shout outs, but some some shameless plugs of our own here. Uh, Of course, uh, follow us on Twitter at all all the spoilers and you can follow us on Facebook, uh, facebook.com slash real spoilers and join the league of show share there. You can discuss all the television stuff, movies, whatever you want to on there, everything in pop culture. So uh, if you have questions, comments, theories, whatever, you name it, go ahead and email us at the show spoilers at gmail.com. You can also tweet at us, direct message us, uh, send us a smoke signal, send <laughs> us a raven, whatever you want to do to get us the message. But uh, we love hearing from, from all the listeners and Everyone else with the crazy theories. At least I don't feel so alone when someone else is is uh, <laughs> wearing the tinfoil. Yeah, for sure. So, without further ado, uh, this episode uh, can we can we just go ahead
1: and give Peter Mullen uh, as yes. Daddy Delos all the awards? Yes, we've been praising. Uh, I'm sorry, I forget uh, his name escapes me. Peter Abernathy's actor um, for the past couple of seasons, but I think uh, Peter Mullen this episode, man, he he slayed it.
0: Well, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Louis Hertham Hertham, is the answer. And uh, he is fantastic. And it's so funny. We draw parallels because they look a similar age. They have a similar l- look, a haircut, a facial features with the beard and everything. Yeah. But uh, and then they're both phenomenal actors. Oh, God, so, yes. yes, uh, maybe Lewis Hertham is so good that maybe Lewis Hertham is actually playing Peter Mullen, <laughs> playing James Delos. That <laughs> <could> be <laughs> very possible. I'm going ahead and I'm going to add that to the tinfoil theories <laughs> column. I'm not going to buy
1: into that one as much as I have others of yours, but uh...
0: (laughs) you're really, you're really going to be thrown for a loop when I tell you that Daniel Day Lewis is actually Lewis (laughs) Hirth. So it's really all, there's so many layers of complexity here, but yes, uh, we got more of, of daddy Delos and this was phenomenal and, and we're definitely going to get into it here, but uh, let's start from the very beginning. And so, the show has kind of gone back and forth between are we going to get a pre-intro scene or are we going to go right into the introduction so i think we're two and two here this episode uh the very first episode went right into the introduction and this episode went right into the introduction so i don't see any kind of rhyme or reason seeing as the episode two and three kind of followed the different storylines we had the william man in black uh delos stuff in episode two right. with an introduction or a pre-introduction scene and then the next one was our dolores mave our our regular park type of situation and there was that pre-introduction scene there so at this point i think they kind of just do whatever serves the story best
1: yeah i'd, I'd agree with that no real pattern there but
0: uh i mean as soon as this came on i i know brad you were a
1: fan of lost <laughs> i'm glad Could you picked you? up on that i did geeked you? out so hard at this entire scene because it felt so much like the season two premiere of lost it and did that,
0: which it's not even that far of a stretch either no. because this is a show produced by jj abrams which yeah. of course he's the creator of lost and so to have this scene that starts up with just the close-ups of the record player and with the even the bicycle and and uh you know just going and showing you all the surroundings of the room without showing you who we're actually looking at and before you know what's going on uh it was just like desmond in the hatch and yeah, i and
1: it was it cool was, yeah it was uh i i geeked out so hard about it just everything about it was just just scream loss it had to have been an homage to 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 that show i know you and i have a difference of opinion on on how this sh- where the show went but like that's one of my all-time favorites and probably always will be. I mean, my dog is named after Desmond from from The Hatch and, and Lost. Nice. Yeah, so
0: Uh, And, 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 you know, I've said it before, I'll say it again, incredible experience watching Lost. That's why I love shows like Mr. Robot and like Westworld that we're discussing. I love shows where you can theorize and you can read into the mystery and you can go look at Easter eggs and then they'll they'll show you like a book on a a bookshelf for one second. And then you have to go find that book and read (laughs) it to understand what's happening in that scene. And, and, you know, there's just so much thought and and so much creativity there with the way they tie things in so i can, love shows
1: like this can you imagine if lost came out today with how social how prevalent social i mean social media existed back then but not as i don't feel like it was as big as it is now you know the kind of following that westworld does now or the the kind of uh online games and stuff that that westworld oh yeah. provides
0: Absolutely. It would it would be just as big, if not bigger. And right. it was all about the message boards back then. That's what I'm <laughs> The <about>. forums. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So so yeah, this episode fantastic. And I should say kudos to Lisa Joy, uh the the co-creator of the series who actually yeah. directed this episode.
1: First and only thing she's ever directed, and it happens to be one of the very best.
0: Wow. That's, that's true. I, you know, when you put it that way, that's pretty impressive. Uh, Obviously she's a great showrunner and uh, she's, she's really handled this series well. And um, you know, and and she's working with her husband, obviously Jonathan Nolan together, but, but her directing this episode, I think is a huge feat. And I would love to see, uh, you know, if this is an example of, of her work and what she can do, I would love to see some more episodes directed by her in the future.
1: I wonder if there are going to be more. I I feel like, you know, with the reaction that the communities had with this episode um, that I mean, this was a very clearly a very important episode for the series and what's to come with the series and what's left of it that uh, I wonder if any bigger episodes are remaining in the series that she's attached to. Do we know do we have that information yet or is that come out weekly? I I don't Uh, they I I think they
0: give us a few at a time and there's probably somewhere where you can really delve into it and and get some more I don't have it obviously the show is is wrapped for the season Uh, so the you know the the success and the reaction to this episode specific isn't going to give us anything more this season if it isn't already but in the future obviously I'm I'm sure they'll be thinking of more Lisa Joy directed episodes after this I hope so so. that'd be great
1: I'm going to say that I'm going to sound like a broken record this this episode because I love this one so much.
0: Absolutely. So, of course, we have to pay attention to all the little details here and especially whenever we have anything that can be correlated to a date. So the first thing that we notice when we are are seeing all these visuals with the record player going is they're playing a song called Play With Fire In 1965 was released by the Rolling Stones. Yep. And so that is we're going to set the time period with that. And it's really smart how they used that. And uh, honestly, nice to have a a date that we can actually use for something because we don't often get dates to follow unless you really dive deep into the like, uh, you know, zooming in on tablets. And uh, I think you mentioned something. I I can't remember if it was in the show last
1: week, but I never found where I read that. But I saw somebody or somebody found on a tablet in one of the episodes between the premiere and now the premiere of the first season. It was in the 2050s yeah I saw that I I saw
0: that too and so I don't know if that was something that was confirmed or I mean if it's in the show I'm guessing it is but you're right I've only seen it one time and I I saw the tablet and it said it was like 2052 or whatnot it was a security footage so uh, yeah we're we're gonna we're gonna go with that until we know otherwise but anyway we have this song from from the 60s and so we get this great scene and we are shown Jim he's he's on a a a cycle uh, one of those exercise cycles and uh, he He's peddling it normally, which the only reason I mention it is because it's going to come up later. So, but he seems to be uh, peddling it. He's going through lots of tests. He's got things hooked up to his head. Uh, clearly, we're we're led to believe here that he is preparing or or in the process of of capturing, as we've speculated before, his his uh, consciousness and his behavior for whatever Delos is going to do. So. After that uh the the big the big thing to note in this scene is that he's trying to pour creamer into his coffee and he can't quite get it. So we see something is wrong here and yeah. there's one of two things that you can take from this. You could you could speculate he's either sick and and not doing well and so that's what's throwing him off or he's already a host. Yeah. And uh you know that's that's what's going on. So uh i i say obviously if you're listening to this you've already seen this episode you know what's going on and so we'll just come right out and say it and uh as, as far as i understand because of the actions of william in this scene this very first scene he is already a host are you on board with that timeline yes. yeah okay. i
1: I've, yeah when when at first the first because we cut back to this multiple times the first time you know, like you said just a minute ago, it was either he's having muscle problems because we knew from two episodes ago that he was having some kind of health issues with the coughing at the retirement party and such that that uh, he was going through something. And so it could either I mean, it left you with the impression that he's having some kind of muscle like but he didn't react to the fact that he couldn't pour the cream or again with the show like this, that he's a host, you know, that, that was testing it. So um, but. Yeah at, yeah, at the it, end of the, the first scene, I, I was assuming that this was a host, and, and that's— Yeah, uh, that's
0: that's what I take from it, because—and uh, like you mentioned, that was the biggest tell, I think, was that— I, I think someone like Jim Delos, if he was having trouble pouring coffee creamer, he would oh, get frustrated. He, yeah, and we see later
1: on his, his reaction to something— kind of not really trivial but like he he resorts to rage a lot quicker than a normal person would he's a
0: he's a bit of a hothead and so you know he's big big bad delos like he's he's a (laughs) you know don't waste my time i'm important i'm a busy guy kind of personality. So uh, we see uh, someone come on an assistant that we haven't seen before. It doesn't matter, but she comes on the little video screen and says, you have a visitor. And he's like, Oh, about time. And it's William. It's young yep. William. Like we're used to seeing uh retirement party age, William, and he's coming to visit him. And, uh, it, it ends up that he's going through what he tells him is that he has to establish a baseline interview and with someone that's familiar with him, that knows his personality. And so. Delos is led to believe that William is there to question him and kind of uh, get him ready for this procedure that he's going to to undergo. But what we know now, having seen the episode, is that Delos is already a host. They've already transferred his consciousness. And at the end, kind of towards the end of this interrogation slash baseline test, he hands him a piece of paper. And that's kind of the, the cliffhanger where the camera cuts. We don't know what's on it. But what we're going to see later on in the next scene is that that is the script similar to how the technicians have shown the hosts in the past their script and that they know what they're going to say what i'm guessing Mm -hmm. that we don't see happening but what i'm guessing is when they did sit down for the baseline they had this conversation, and so he now has a printout of the conversation. And William yep. is having to do the same thing. Uh, this is to make sure that the the consciousness takes to the host or whatnot. They have to fine tune this, and so William brings the same bottle of alcohol. He uh, James Della says the same thing. William yep. reacts the same way. Uh, so it, this is all
1: a part of the test. So you yeah, uh, know when they talked about the baseline interview part um, at the beginning and um, before we involve or. Uh, turned into what we know it to turned into. Um, I got like little remnants of maybe Blade Runner uh, twenty forty nine with the with the baseline sure. interviews that they did um, with Ryan Gosling and the the words he had to repeat and such that with just more uh, evidence that 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 uh, Daddy Delos was a host and that led me to believe that direction.
0: Yep, and another another thing that Williams says whenever Delos says, you know, what the hell are we doing here? He says they're just trying to establish a baseline for fidelity. He uses the word fidelity, and one of the definitions of fidelity is the degree of exactness with which something is copied or reproduced. So uh. I think that's I think that could go twofold. When you first hear it, you're like, yeah, they need a baseline for fidelity. But now we know that he was actually testing the fidelity because Delos is and and exact copy or they are trying to reproduce an exact copy of him so yep. i think that was a little bit of foreshadowing there so we go to the next scene and, and we'll come back to this but this is one of three different interactions we see with william and daddy delos and uh yeah i i, I think these scenes uh, you know the whole episode is so fantastic but but again uh, peter mullen steals the show and these are my favorite parts of the episode hands down yeah i agree completely So we go back to Man in Black and Lawrence, our favorite duo, uh, taking their road trip. Uh, We see a bunch of workers, uh, which is definitely alluding to, you know, Chinese workers building the Continental Railroad. And uh, we see them laying tracks, but they're laying them in a very unusual way because they're actually laying tracks on top of human bodies. Uh, That's not I don't think they were programmed to do that. So we know that uh, they are definitely uh off their loop and i think this is kind of their way of rebelling Uh, the hosts all all in different areas have different things that they're doing once they've gained this freedom and so i took this as kind of like a uh a revenge type of a thing like so all the chinese workers that were exploited are now taking the uh people that ran the railroad and laying the tracks on top of them that's my guess at least
1: yeah i don't have (laughs) i that was just something I was like, oh, okay, that's what we're doing now.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's just a little bit of like a, uh, you know, they, they were obviously taken advantage of and oppressed and brought to do this this very hard labor uh, for for very minimal reward. And so this is like, okay, well, now we're going to lay these tracks on top of you. So I, uh, I was just like, I wonder if we're ever going to see a train roll through there <laughs> and just like the tracks flatten. Oh, I yeah, just, I, I'd like to think
1: enough. not yes uh, we could skip that but i just
0: i just thought oh what horrible imagery i just think oh geez the tracks are on top of them please don't run a train over them but anyway uh we he ends up saying uh the train's
1: going in the wrong direction too um from what uh man in black says at one point right it's supposed to go north but it's going west or
0: west yeah, yeah exactly and so i think i think this alludes that there's more than one uh he was alluding that uh things are there's there's different places that different people are trying to get to. So we don't really know what's going on exactly with Ford's narrative. Is it just for, (laughs) is it just for man in black? Is it, is it for, are there multiple people, multiple people playing this game? Uh, Definitely something we don't have all the answers to, but for whatever reason, the, yeah, it is going the wrong way, but yeah, the hosts are all screwed up. Uh, but this this next scene uh, is really interesting. It it opens with Clementine dragging Bernard. She's been dragging him since last episode, <laughs> and, uh, and without saying a word, and, and Bernard's just kind of like. Uh, She's a
1: Zombie yeah, Clementine.
0: She, she is. And and Bernard's just like, uh, uh, Clementine, hey, uh, and then she just drops him off and walks away. <laughs> so he's in front of this random cave. And uh this is where I knew it was coming because yep. we've been expecting and anticipating the return of Elsie since the beginning of the season. And I'm like, wait a minute, she's brought him to this random cave. I'm like, Oh, please tell me she's gotta be hiding out in here. Now yeah, it's this great. great camera work too. It really was was a little bit different than I expected because I thought that Elsie was in control. I thought that she was the one programming Ghost Nation, saving stubs, uh, that she was kind of running things from this base of operations the secret base that we were gonna see but she's chained up and she was yeah. we find out left there by bernard uh left with a bucket and some protein bars i think she says and uh so we know that bernard did not kill her which which if you saw that easter egg last season on the website we knew that she was still alive but uh i i don't know exactly it will be interesting to see if we get some flashbacks with how that actually went down. Right. I was
1: going to ask you about that too with, um, with that Easter egg because I, I didn't watch Westworld as it aired, so I didn't know about the Easter egg that came afterwards until the premiere this year. Yeah. Um, so you said that that Easter egg that proved her being alive was a distress signal that she sent. So in, at some point or another, sh- should we see her sending that or is that something that she somehow sent from that cave? I, that's a that's a
0: great question. That's that's exactly what I'm wondering because she obviously had access to some kind of technology. She clearly wasn't left with it in that cave. All she had was, I right. think, Absolutely. she was left with some ketchup packets on the ground. Like she was kind of at her last, uh, you know, uh, last sure. bits of of uh, nourishment here. So she didn't really have anything. So the question is, did she somehow send that, uh, you know, did she sneak a tablet away from Bernard real quick before he brought her to the cave and and was elsewhere? I have no idea, but I would be really interested just to get a little glimpse of that, to see if it comes up in Bernard's memories. But uh, she obviously has a very negative reaction to seeing Bernard because he's the one that left her there. And she has no idea at this point, Ford is dead that he was under his control, anything like that. But, uh, you know, she, she ends up saying, stay the hell away from me. And, uh, Bernard fills her in and says that Ford wrote a game and we're all in it and the hosts are free. So she's, she ends up, uh, you know, realizing even though she doesn't trust him, but she's going to have to work with this guy if she's going to survive and going to figure out what's going on here. But, uh, Bernard isn't doing too well. He's he's having more of his issues and uh he ends up passing out and and the tablet falls out of his pocket onto the ground and he ends up just you know stuttering. I mean, Jeffrey Wright phenomenal actor. He has been since season 1 uh, another great scene by him, but he's he's stammering, you know, tablet tablet give me the tablet. Yep. And uh she picks it up and and the tablet displays that he's he's having a critical failure. It says cognitive lock. And uh, she reluctantly puts him into safe mode. She shuts down background processes that he's not using, and is able to stabilize him for the time being. So, uh, luckily, she did. Uh, I think it would have been really easy for someone in her position to be like, "Yeah, I'm not helping you. You just tied <laughs> yeah. me up here with ketchup packets. Like, I'm not, I'm not going to save you. This is a trick or something." But sure. we'll, we'll find out a little bit later about them. But uh, we go, uh, we go to a flashback. This is, this is really uh this was really confusing the first time i watched it i mean i think it's supposed to be no one knows at this point what's going on but uh bernard is having these weird flashbacks we don't know what time period this is we're right. in a place that we've never seen this exact location and he really great camera work here though this is where we see like a uh, close-up of blood dropping into the white. Uh, you know cognitive fluid or whatever that is uh you know that they make dip the hosts into we see a tray of eyeballs that one of the drone hosts drops and uh he wakes up after that so
1: we just get a little glimpse of something that we're going to come back to was this one uh, of the flashbacks that was led into with the the quick flashing of the screen that they've been doing every time that he flashes yeah. back to something. Okay. This is similar to a uh, Dolores did the same thing. I think in that
0: first episode, like remember Dolores was having uh, weird flashback scenes in the yep. middle of that episode to back when she was in the real world. It was one of those ones where it's sure. like the screen goes
1: to black and fades. just like flashbacks. I feel like something about that effect is like sticking with me through every episode that like what's coming after these flashes are important scenes that are going to make sense later on.
0: Yeah, I wonder, it's going to be interesting to see if that type of effect is used to tell a specific type of uh, timeline or specific, uh, you know, who we're dealing with. I'm not, I'm not sure how that's going to come into play, but yeah, it definitely is different than what we've seen in the past season. So we'll just have to stay tuned for that sure. one. But uh, yeah, so so he he wakes up and Elsie and tells him that he has extensive cortical damage. And uh, if I didn't know any better, I'd say you shot yourself. So well, she's yeah. <laughs> clearly... Clearly... <laughs> yeah, clearly able to figure this out. She says that they're in sector 22 and there's nowhere to go. Uh, you know, there's no station for miles. And this is another scene that we haven't seen anything like this either, I don't believe, where Bernard actually sees like a ghost copy of
1: himself walking into the cave. Have we ever seen anything like that before? I I don't recall. Um, I hadn't thought about it till now, but I don't think there's been anything like that yet no
0: yeah it's i mean this is different than a flashback it's clearly a memory but it's interesting that the way they're showing it is him watching
1: yeah it's like a memory but like a flashback to a memory like that's playing out in the same scene basically yeah
0: yeah, I, I really like how they did it. But again, I, I don't know if that has, if that is something.
1: Yeah, it raises questions for me later regarding, and we'll, we'll get to it when we get to a scene, uh, probably about like, maybe a half an hour later in the show. We'll, we'll get to that part. But it, it, it seemed like they're trying to do something new with it that I'm still on the fence about.
0: We're going to be seeing a lot more from this uh, Sector 22 station, which ends up uh, being the uh, number 12. So I believe we've seen. Uh, is it number 14 and 12? There's two different stations that we've seen with different numbers on these underground places, but this is the second one we've seen and it's number 12. So uh, we're going to be coming back here a lot later and finding out what happened, but uh, they, they go downstairs, they get out of the elevator and, and Elsie says there's a whole lab down here and it is just demolished. There are, people dead there's there's what we what appear to be human technicians that are ones pinned up on the wall with something sticking through them people on the floor yeah yeah it it really is there's there's the drone hosts are dead on the ground uh people all over the place um it's been destroyed and and elsie is very surprised they found a control unit printer and i wanted to mention that because it's going to come into play later but she is very they're very um you know, specifically calling out control unit uh, in this. So this is something that I we've only heard mentioned a few times before. But uh, it, these control units are typically, I believe, what what the white things are in the in the heads that we saw from episode one, and they look a little bit different in this episode. But it's it's the basically, I think, the CPU of the host. Is that your understanding? Yeah, I yeah, that's how I took it. So Bernard gets a vision. He goes back and uh, he, he sees the past and he's, he's surrounded by all these drone hosts. Uh, So he's doing some more of these flashes and then they're, they're attacked by, I guess there was one of these drone hosts that was left alive. And Elsie has never seen these things. She's like, what the hell are those? And, and Bernard says, put down your gun. Don't, don't, don't threaten, threaten them, them Yeah. and yeah. yeah they won't move on you and so she of course is like yeah what screw you i'm shooting this <laughs> thing in the face so she takes out the drone host and uh and is just like totally thrown off by these things and bernard says i think they were watching the guests so now what we're coming to find out is that these these stations that are hidden that we were we'd never saw in the first season and that the management doesn't isn't even aware of outside of the the delos corporate management they've got these hidden stations all over the park where they are watching and and uh we know that these drone hosts were collecting dna and sending them and uploading the dna and packaging them so there's a lot of weird stuff going on and i think by the end of this episode we have a pretty clear idea of of what's happening but we won't we won't uh, get there quite yet uh i thought this part was a little weird and this is one of my questions about the timelines that are going on here because Elsie knows that Bernard needs this cortical fluid. That's the white stuff that we saw uh, that was leaking out of his ear in the first episode. It's the stuff that he injected himself with and he was fine after he got that. We know that he's low on it again. I don't know if there's something that maybe we just missed where we didn't see a preparation of this, or I don't know if they just have this stuff laying around, but But because she just, okay. Syringe full of it. Like, well, clearly that's what, I mean, that's, I think that's, Pretty obviously what happened, but that's my question is that seems a little convenient that, like, they just have syringes of cortical fluid, like, just all ready to go. And so yeah. that's, that's why I'm wondering if there was there was some kind of a time jump going on here. I mean, we could be reading too much into it, but she picks up a syringe. That's like, she doesn't have to prepare it. She doesn't have to take the syringe and inject it into a canister. And and, you know what I mean?
1: It's yeah. I took it that she was aware of what his issues were because of the, the tablet and the, the information she got when he passed out in the cave. And then, uh, it, I agree though completely that it was convenient that a full syringe is just laying around in the, in the lab full of what he needed. So I didn't see her fill it up. I don't think that. uh, I mean, maybe maybe she did, but um, but to to the viewer, to me at least, on one viewing, it looked like she just picked up something and and uh, and, like something uh, she didn't prepare. It's not like we have to.
0: We don't have to see her prepare it. It's not that we have to. I mean, obviously, the show would be fifty hours long per episode if they like. (laughs) You know, oh, let me take a bathroom break, and we waited for them. I mean, they can't. We can't see everything. But the question that this brings up is like, do they just have? syringes laying around with this stuff or is that from something else and there's some kind of a weird time jump going on i don't know i'll leave it at that but it just seemed very yeah. odd how it just kind of showed up like it was right there next to her without her actually preparing it for him so sure um, you're yeah, not sure if that will come into play. But uh at this point, this is when he tells Elsie that Ford is dead because she's still questioning, Are you you promise, I you know, I'll fix you up, but are you are you gonna hurt me? Are you are you still under Ford's control? And he looks at her and just says, No, he's dead. Right. And she's like, All right, well, there you go. So uh yeah, and that's obviously the big question is, is Ford really dead and are they not under his control? Because we know there's at least some part of whether it's consciousness or programming some part of Ford is clearly alive so that is still up in the air
1: yeah (laughs) that's going to be some questions for later (laughs) Yeah.
0: so now we go back to uh, the the new character from the Raj that we were introduced uh, to a couple episodes ago Grace uh, at least as she is titled uh, we found out this episode that Grace is a secret uh, or a pseudonym if you will uh, not her real name But uh, that's the big reveal of the episode. But Grace is tied up uh, and she is being led to a camp that Ghost Nation has set up. And we see a whole bunch of humans here. And I thought that it was kind of cool that we actually see uh, some hosts that we've seen before in previous episodes. And most surprisingly was Stubbs, because the way that I took it, remember, we see when whenever Grace washes up with the tiger, you know, we see Stubbs find that tiger. and. I mean, Stubbs was already back with the QA team at that point. Right. He's the one that says they don't cross park borders, all that stuff. So I thought I thought they were in the exact same timeline. When I say timeline, it's all the same 11 day period. But I thought that that she was she and him were like around the same day or so. But we know there's an 11-day difference here. right? So this was really interesting that Grace ran into Stubbs, and then later on, Stubbs is going to find the Tiger with QA and and the rest of the team there. So I was not expecting to see that.
1: Yeah, the premiere, we were confused, because the last we saw him in the finale was that he was captured. And in the premiere, it was like, oh, he's okay, and everything's fine. But now he's captured again. Now he's captured again. So we're seeing... These different, like you said, these, the eleven days that between the massacre and the the drowning in the in the lake, but we're seeing yeah. them non linear on in yeah. all these different orders. So they're filling in a lot of gaps for us, and so we're gonna
0: have to keep continuing to. Uh, you know put this puzzle together we don't have a whole picture yet but we're getting more and more pieces so whenever whenever grace originally washes up from from the raj with the tiger that is pre Stubbs being freed so it'll be interesting to see more of how they you know line up with the 11 days later but we see him there and he the main takeaway from this scene is is you know he's talking about escaping and getting away and and she ends up telling him that i'm not looking to get out of here so we know that grace has some kind of a hidden agenda here and it was i think pretty clear at least for the eagle-eyed viewer that spotted her journal we mentioned this in that episode that it had that that stelo symbol that we're seeing with all this new programming with all this new consciousness stuff that's going on in season two she had that drawn out in her map and then also had the uh like The compass pointing north, you know, with an arrow going that way. So something we knew she was looking for something, and this is, you know, solidification that Grace is 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 looking for something or someone here in the park.
1: Right. We find yeah, I find weird knowing the ending of the episode, which we'll get to, that why she started off in Raj the Raj though, when what we know she's looking for is in Westworld. Well, that's a good question. I don't yeah. know. Uh, we,
0: I don't, I don't know that we know what she or who she is looking for. I, I think that there could be some yeah. some red herrings here, trying to throw us off the trail. Uh, it, it, you know, we'll, it, we'll get there at the end of the episode, yeah. but that is the question. We'll, we'll discuss it then. What is Grace looking for? So, uh, But but meanwhile, Man in, Man in Black and Lawrence uh, finally get to his home at Las Mutas. Uh The place seems empty, which is a little suspicious. Usually there's people all around the town, people at the bar. Uh, they get a table. This is the exact same table that we see Lawrence and Man in Black at the beginning of season one. Yep. And this scene, if you remember, is the scene where he dances with the wife and he has the gun out and he's going to shoot he kills the mother and then he's basically going to shoot the daughter if if she doesn't tell him anything he's looking for the maze at this point and uh, the daughter then you know kind of turns into like creepy daughter and, <laughs> and uh you know says this game is not for you and and it does the kind of the weird character switch there yeah. and so this is the exact same place the same bar same table the man in black even takes his gun apart at the table like he does uh but he doesn't get to do his whole thing uh quite yet here because they're interrupted when the bartender comes out and and, and he starts having an issue with with the drink he he, he seems nervous and he shaky. spills some of the drink you yeah. know and so you here come the Confederados, at least what's what's left of them. Yeah.
1: If you weren't suspicious enough by the empty, empty town, the, the bartender right. made the scene clear that something was afoot.
0: Yeah. And, and Man in Black knows it. And so before they have any time to really react to it, you get what's left of the Confederados led by uh, the the ma- the major that Teddy let let go free in the last episode. Uh, That's major Craddock played by Jonathan Tucker. He was also, if you remember in the, in episode two, whenever Delos is courting Logan, he, he is in that scene at the, at the party. So uh, we're going to keep coming back to some of the people that we saw in that scene, but uh, the major was there. uh, One of the ghost nation, actually the, uh, the leader of ghost nation was the one that brought logan into that room um so that's another you know so it's really interesting to see the people that we see at that party and how clearly those are the oldest hosts in the park and now we're seeing how they're repurposed in this current timeline so uh yeah um the uh the 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 guy basically uh the our um Man in Black is like, you know, what the hell happened to you? And 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 Major Craddock says that they were double crossed by, by that bitch Wyatt. And so, <laughs> yep. and uh, it's kind of a fun scene because uh, Man in Black's basically like, oh well, good for her, <laughs> you know, like like uh, you know he knows exactly who he's talking about. Yep. And uh, and uh, this is an interesting scene because we know that Man in Black and Lawrence have had many journeys over the years, and especially in last season, we saw two. Two really different, I guess it wasn't really Lawrence, but we had, uh, you know, Lawrence, obviously, in that early journey. And then, you know, when he plays the other role, um, you know, it's, I guess that problem. I mean, it's the same host. So it's not necessarily the Lawrence character, but we know that these hosts are retaining memories from different um, programming. So I'm not sure which one it came from, but Lawrence remembers Man in Black saying that he has a daughter, which, he didn't mention anytime during season two so it's kind of neat that we're actually seeing lawrence remember things from their past trips because i don't know i i really like this this duo whenever i see lawrence and man in black on a on a journey i just i get excited for those scenes
1: yeah and no, that's the way i took it as well as i uh i guess i don't catch as many of the small details as you do but when he said that you told me you had a daughter i thought to myself I wonder if he told him that recently or if that's something of significance from a ways back. So I'm glad you picked up on that because that that's kind of how I felt about it as well.
0: Well and Man in Black also kind of gives him the side eye, like when he like, says, You yeah. told me you had a daughter, Man in Black is clearly he like what, what how did you well like, yeah, when did I tell you that? Or I didn't you know, he's thinking I didn't tell you that anytime recently. So kind of cool to see Lawrence getting those memories. And uh I definitely I definitely like this this team up. So that was cool. And we're also gonna see in this episode. Man in black showing more of concern for the host, which is something that we've never seen him do. He's usually tearing through the park, you know yep. killing killing people left and right, scalping I mean he doesn't care he's using them as a means to an end. He knows it's just a game, but in this episode we're gonna see some really unique interactions from his character, and the first real turn that we've seen, not William but man in black take uh, toward the white hat uh type of playing the game as opposed to the black hat character. Yeah. So uh, Lawrence and him are are tied up and the Confederados are, are shooting people and, you know, just doing the stuff that they usually do, the bunch of children that they are. And uh, they're, they're tearing things up. And Lawrence says, Hey, we got to escape and we got to get to these weapons that are hidden in an unmarked grave. And almost instantly, Man in Black says, "Hey," gets the attention of the major, and is like, "Let's make a deal." Uh, which the major has already made it clear. Uh, he he asked, uh, "Who's the who's the head of this town? Who's the head of your group? I want to make a deal." And when the guy raises his hand and gets up, he shoots just him. He's shoots like, "I'm not around. making deals." <laughs> so I think it's funny that that Man in Black instantly is like, "I want to make a deal with you," yeah, and he a, just looks at him.
1: It was a humorous <laughs> scene because you know Lawrence, you know, gave him the deal. Like, as soon as you tell me information, he's going to kill you. And, and, yeah. uh, you know, and he, you know, revealed everything he knew about the, the unmarked graves to to the man in black. And then, uh, aside from being funny and you know, unexpected, he stood up and told him the information right away. But at the same time, being a complete badass about it, too, saying, like, listen, here's here's the information you need. I know. And the guy goes, uh, the general goes, uh, You don't understand negotiations because you already gave me what I want. And he's like, Well, I also know how, you know, to do all this. So this is, this is my thing, you know, and just made a complete awesome moment out of it. And I, I really like that scene.
0: Ed Harris is so good in this show. He's good in everything. but, you know, we talk about all these actors. We talk about Anthony Hopkins really stealing the show oh, in season yeah. one. We talk about Jeffrey Wright and Louis Hirtham, And, and uh, you know, we're, we're talking about even all these new actors that are coming on in this season, like Peter Mullen. And uh, Jimmy Simpson is great and all the William stuff. I mean, uh, you know, and not even to mention Evan Rachel Wood and, and Tandy Newton, uh, you know, Maeve and Dolores, stuff like they're all so damn good. Oh, yeah. But but once again, Ed Harris proves that he, I mean, he's been an amazing actor for decades. And, and uh, this show, the the fact that they were able to get so many fantastic actors. Uh, I, I mean, I, I'll tell you what, this show is quickly becoming one of my favorite shows of all time. I mean, if it yeah. wasn't already, it it's just the fact is that even in, in one and a half seasons, not even yet, they have already shown such such great writing and and such great everything. The set, set design, the music, the score, the, um, the performances, it it really is mind blowing in the, that the, uh, the caliber of talent that they've gotten for this show. Um, you know, I think of things like game of Thrones, which I love game of Thrones, but I honestly think I, I get more excited for Westworld than game of Thrones at this point.
1: Uh, yeah. That's tough because we got we have seven seasons of Game of Thrones behind us, but uh, you know, right now, yeah, um, Westworld is top of mind and doing something great with with uh, six episodes to go, and nobody knows what's going to happen. We have ideas; we're in the end game on Game of Thrones. We have ideas of what's going to happen and and how it's going to play out. But right now, we're in the we're in the meat of Westworld and still trying to figure everything out and what their motives are and where it's going. And so, I, I would. Right now, aside from the fact that it's the only one that's airing right now, um, I put Westworld over Game of Thrones too. Like it's just, yeah, it's just I, so compelling with with especially with the uh, a friend of mine who I had dinner with tonight even labeled it and, and we've we've mentioned it before. It's basically a very well timed allegory to like data collection that we have on social media now today. You know, sure. and uh, it, it's it's just so compelling. and so much fun to watch and discuss.
0: Yeah, it's it's smart, it's entertaining, it's it, it really it really it just does so much uh, and, and it's a beautiful work of art yeah. as far as you know sights you know the the sounds everything about it so yeah i mean it's like choosing a favorite child i love game of thrones i'm not saying that like i hate game of thrones now and i'll only watch west world not like that but it's just when i think about how great this show is uh and the performances and yep. everything uh you know there are two different types of shows but i mentioned them both and compare them because of hbo and and shows that are, are both fantastic and this show just i i really it there is no other show that gets me this excited i mean i mean game of thrones is close but damn it's like Sunday night that is an event and, sure. and uh you know the next episode of Westworld is is really high up there on things I look forward to. Yep. So uh yeah I can't wait uh, you know already we still have about a week to go but I cannot wait until we can get to next week and we'll talk about the preview sure. a little bit am later. I am
1: I misremembering that uh Westworld's signed for a third season already or is that something I'm just dreaming of
0: uh I don't know
1: that they've already renewed it but I it's not going anywhere yeah, there's no I, way. I don't I don't I'm think not, it's going to wrap up the season at all but I think I don't want to say for certainty but I'm pretty sure in the last week or two that I saw that it's already been renewed for the third season so. Yeah. Uh that
0: us. Yeah, that sounds right and uh you know it may it may very well um it may very well finish their complete story before game of thrones can right at least the book.
1: game of thrones so, yeah, yeah the book especially i was going to mention that next like the show is going to wrap up before the second the last book even gets published so.
0: oh that's certain <laughs> i mean yeah there's uh, that's just a whole nother topic yeah, but sure. anyway uh back to this one so uh yeah they have that great interaction with the man in black and the major uh, ed harris total badass uh but we we cut back to our second uh, baseline test scene with with Daddy Dallas and William. So it starts off playing Do the Strand uh, by the band Roxy Music, which is a 1973 release. So now we already have seven or eight years in between us, if you know the music. Uh, but uh, this one's really funny because clearly – uh, you know different time period of music and we get a different uh, side of Jim here he's dancing I, I found it hilarious and it, it, was, was, like, it hilarious. was really
1: funny that the moves he was dropping there that yeah it's just so
0: unlike the character we've never seen daddy Dellas get down like that. no not at
1: all he's always been and a stern hard ass like we covered yeah. earlier yeah he's yeah to see him breaking down to to a song like that was, <laughs> was something to be seen so I think this says a
0: lot Uh, there was the music jump and we know again with this show that the music and and the release dates that there's going to be some importance there but also the scene leading up to William coming to meet with him think about it before he was doing all these tests and it was very scientific he was very slow moving and this scene is dancing around so that again was a clue to me that okay this is the host and they're making advancements that he is getting better and better and you know spoiler alert we find out that's exactly what it is so we're, we're We're led to believe here the technology is getting better, but years are passing and he is still stuck in this room. Uh, We see William come in. He's got the same bottle of alcohol. They're saying the same thing. Uh, Jim says whenever the assistant says that someone's there, he says the exact same lines. He looks in the mirror, buttons his shirt. Uh, You know, it's the exact same thing over and over again here. It's like uh, Groundhog Day. And uh, this time, the important thing that we see is that after William hands him this piece of paper, we see what it is and everything Jim looks at it and it's their whole entire conversation here. It's the baseline that we were led to believe at first was being recorded. uh, But we know that since he handed him this piece of paper in the first scene that, the entire time he has been a host and uh or, or or i i won't say a host because i think that's too simple this new type of host yes, this human yes. host hybrid uh a, a synthetic host body with the brain or consciousness that
1: they're creating in these labs of a human
0: guess right. because
1: the turn here after he begins reading at the beginning the beginning scene when he reads the paper that's when we get the hard cut to to the to the next scene when he begins mm-hmm. reading the paper here and we see, the viewer see as him at the same time as him, what is on the paper, the conversation that they just had that mm-hmm. seeing it click in his head and realize that his consciousness is existing in this host was an incredible moment for the scene or for, for, for the show when yeah. with the conversation they're about to have after that, I was, I was a hundred percent invested in what was happening now and I could not wait to see where it went and what made me love the show the most is that we're, we're now dealing with what we speculated for the last couple of weeks about the transfer of consciousness where the net his next line was was like oh I take it I didn't make it then you know and, and going to what going on about his money and and it was just so incredible and what it, it's the,
0: So good. The writing Uh, is so good. And again, the performance by Peter Mullen, so fantastic. Uh, I I watched this twice now, and I'm definitely going to go back a third time, especially for these scenes. Again, uh, you know, there are certain actors that you can watch, just just give a monologue or two actors playing off one another. Uh, I think we talked about interrogation scenes before, but one that we didn't mention was The Master. uh, You know, it's a Paul Thomas Anderson movie with Joaquin Phoenix uh, and the late Philip Philip. Seymour Hoffman. And uh, that is is known as the interrogation scene and it's something, or the processing scene rather. And so it kind of is reminiscent of what we talked about earlier, but the two of them just sitting across from each other asking each other questions, or, or I should say Phyllis Seymour hoffman asking Joaquin Phoenix's character questions. It's more intense than this, yeah. but it's another one of those great memorable scenes just between two people, uh, you know, acting their asses off. So kudos to both of them in this scene, yeah. uh, Jimmy Simpson and Peter Mullen. But uh, Daddy Delos asks, how long have I been here? And William says it's been seven years, give or take. And so we see later on that this is build 31 of the Jim Delos host hybrid here so that's about four four and a half on average uh hosts per year so every two or three months they're cranking out another Jim Delos to work on uh there's a lot of these things out there over the years it's amazing uh what they've been doing and clearly this is I think there's a hidden agenda here I think I, I I don't think that Yes, I mean, they are using Jim Delos, the the founder of the company and, and very important person and uh family member of William, uh, you know, his father-in-law to test this. I think he is the first example of this uh, hybrid here. But I feel like Man in Black slash William, I feel like he has something else uh the first thought would be, uh, his own selfish reasons that, uh, you know, he wants to make sure that he lives forever. I feel like William turning into man in black. He, he, uh, he wants to protect perfect this technology on the Guinea pig, uh, daddy Delos. But once they get it right, this is a way that he can preserve his life and, and, and live out, you know,
1: forever. Yeah, I agree completely. Um, it's, it's, it's a weird dynamic knowing who he was when he was young through the whole first season, the second episode of this season, where he's talking about the monetization, you know, basically looking for the investment from from Jim um, for the park and analyzing people and and what they truly want when they think that they're not being watched and things like that, and to to who he is now as in the present day as the man in black, um, and that, that's what I find the most compelling about his character and why when they're, when he on in any range or whatever age that he is on the show. Um, whenever he's on it, like that's my most interested part of the show. Cause he, Ed Harris, uh, Jimmy, uh, every one of them. It's so great.
0: Um, yeah, it, it's, it's so fantastic to watch both of these actors that are playing the same character and how they, how, especially Jimmy Simpson studies the mannerisms and, yeah. and, uh, the look of Ed Harris <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> Lisa Joy, in an interview she did with, I believe, Entertainment Weekly, talked a little bit about that and, and how the two work together and how much Jimmy studied uh, the the movements and, and everything for Harris. And it especially comes to play in this episode because later on in the third scene, mm-hmm. we're going to see how much time passes oh, and we're going to see the same scene happen for a third time. Uh, it's really a lot further and a lot more times, but we're going to see it for a third time with that Harris. So it just goes to show you that, w- that the entire transition of yeah. William to Man in Black is happening with Delos, or at least different versions of Delos down in some basement somewhere. Yeah. It's
1: crazy. I think uh, what it's going to come down to, and we know that he's playing Ford's game now, and and then we'll touch that here shortly, the The, the experiments that he's working on uh, on Jim, on and I think it's something that Ford was aware of and maybe didn't agree with or perfected it. There, there's so much there that could happen um, with, with the ability to transfer consciousness and trying to live forever. And then his reaction to what we see later on, it's mind blowing <laughs> with what, with what could happen.
0: It's exciting. It's going to be exciting to find out what the real end game is here for William and Delos. Yeah because we still really don't know. We, we definitely have an idea, but we don't know what the end game is. Not so yet. back here at the old Confederado uh, bar scene, they found the guns, they found some nitro. Uh, they have a little bit of fun, which we know that fun for the Confederados is not usually good for somebody. And uh, they, they have the bartender with the shaky hands walk 10 paces or something with a shot of nitro in his hand. And then uh, the major ends up blowing his hand off, uh, you know, and they're all laughing about it. And, uh, meanwhile, we go to ghost nation back with, uh, Stubbs and with grace. And, uh, th- one of the ghost nation members says they're taking the humans to the first of us. And so this was one of those scenes again, where I thought there was going to be a reveal with the general, for instance, that maybe we've seen him before. And we did not recognize that character, but, uh, with this one, I'm like, okay, come on the first of us, who is this going right. to be? It's gotta be an early I'm sure we're gonna have seen this person before and it ends up being that host that I mentioned earlier that was at the Delos uh, party that uh, uh, Logan was being courted uh, at. He is the one that uh, with Angela was one of the kind of main guys that brought them in. And so... Uh, We also see two of the guests from the very early on in the first season. I thought this was great. We had, there was a couple, one of the guys that was, was out there. uh, He always seemed like he was getting in a little too over his head, but uh, they were out on, on one of the trips out far into the park. And then we saw them back at, uh, you know back at at the saloon one time and uh it was i think that first time that hector rides out and we see him he's doing like a bank heist and he's giving his big monologue that lee wrote for him and then this guy just kills him (laughs) right in the middle of it so no one could hear him finish and then he's he's all excited like hey i got him and then him and his wife are taking pictures with the dead hector and everything it's just a funny scene but we haven't (laughs) seen them since then and then I love that the wife is basically telling the husband like, you got you know, us into this. Yeah. You, <laughs> now you got us into this and you're going to get us killed. Like I think it was just a really funny moment that they didn't have to bring back those, those guests, but it was, right. it was great to see them out of nowhere. Service. Yeah, absolutely. So we see that they're still in the park and not in a very good uh, predicament <laughs> here. Uh, but um, the uh, grace ends up escaping here. She runs away and uh, they, they, uh, you know, Stubbs is kind of caught there, though. He isn't able to get away. And, and the the first of their kind who we see is, is that host from early on uh, in that first episode of season two. He says a really interesting line yeah. here. He says to yeah. him, you live only as long as the last person who remembers you. And I thought that was such a great line yeah. and so impactful because we're talking about not only living in a uh, literal sense, but your memory and how people remember you, how people how people feel about you and the things that you did, your actions while you were alive and all that carries on long after you die. And so, you know, it's not just your actual human body, but, but, you know, the the memories and, and that's what, what he's saying in a, you know, in a spiritual kind of a sense uh, or a philosophical sense, that's how long you actually live. And so this is going to come into play later in another scene, I think, but they're definitely focusing on memories and a person's life and, and extending beyond the grave, uh, but in this scene, you think, oh, well, clearly we know Stubbs is not going to die unless this is <laughs> some really whack pinfoil yeah, right. stuff. But, but I felt pretty confident here, but uh, Stubbs has a knife up to his throat, and so it's one of those ramping up moments where the music is intensifying, like they're going to cut his throat. But then they end up pulling the knife away, and then the Ghost Nation walks away. It's a zoomed in scene on Stubbs, and then the camera pulls back, and there's like four or five of the humans there, and no Ghost Nation. Like, they just left, just left them yep. to go, so... So that's how Stub gets away. Dun dun dun! Big reveal. <laughs> like, I, you know, I'm thinking, oh, like Elsie. Me- yeah. Well, I was like, Elsie is in control of Ghost Nation, and she's programming them, and they were rounding up all the humans, and then you know they set them free, and and meanwhile, it seems like Ghost Nation, who uh, I, I feel like they're kind of doing their own thing. Like, I feel like they are, they're. Either they're a part of Ford's game and his narrative, or they are free in a, in whatever sense that means for the hosts. But they are choosing to do good things, you know. Yeah. I don't really know exactly, but it it isn't the whole Elsie thing because Elsie, unless she can control Ghost Nation with ketchup packets, <laughs> she is not in control of these guys. Right. So, uh, yeah, though at least we get an answer there, though. So Stubbs is set free by Ghost Nation themselves, the people that captured him. So, um you know the 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 main thing that we do know though for sure is that the other answer is ghost nation was collecting the the humans and the guests as we thought uh, they were the ones that let him go, but we also found out, uh, like earlier, when when Hector was was asking to let Lee and Mave and himself go by, and they said, "You guys can go by, but we're going to keep him." Yep. Someone on on Reddit, I think it was, I read there was a translation of some of the language, uh, you know, some of the native tongue that they're speaking, and one of the lines that someone said that he actually said was that there's no place for them in the next life. I'm I'm totally paraphrasing here. But it definitely confirmed our suspicions that whatever this next step is for the host, this next uh, evolution of the park and for the host, that these guests, these humans are are not going to be a part of what they have planned. Huh. So they definitely had an agenda there. Uh, but it will be interesting to see later on who they're being controlled by. Is it them or is it Ford or, or some other person that we're not even thinking of at this yeah, point? I... I have no idea. <laughs> Right. Well none yeah. of us do. None of us do. So uh Bernard wakes up from from uh after he passed out uh from the old cortical fluid transplant and uh Elsie is still skeptical, but you know, definitely says that I need your help. So I'm gonna help you, you help me, and hopefully we'll get out of this thing and uh she she goes into the the programming uh of the stuff going on in the lab and she she notices on this tablet that they're using technology that she has never dealt with she's she's one of the head technicians in the park and they're using a completely different os than she's ever seen it's a different code language than she's ever seen so really confusing and bernard when he takes a look at it he sees that it's the exact same kind of code and encryption that was in Abernathy's head. So clearly whatever was going on with Abernathy, who's the host that Delos is so, uh, you know, so uh, desperately trying to sneak out of the park, uh, they're using this technology that's all a part of this Lab 12 underground thing going on. So, uh, you know, no surprise there to us. We've been speculating that it's, it's all been about transferring consciousness and Abernathy is has some consciousness that they're trying to smuggle out the question is whose is it yeah that is i think the number one question as of right now uh you know we 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 know what he's doing but we don't exactly know why so it will be fascinating um i can't wait for that reveal but for now uh who do you think it is do you have any any theories of of uh Who's in P- well, at first I thought it was Jim. Sure, I mean the the you know I've my theory, my tinfoil theory was that Abernathy was Daddy Delos, sure. and one of the big clues that I got from that, aside from yes, they look similar, but that doesn't necessarily mean they're the same person. But uh, remember, in the first episode, whenever uh, you know Peter Abernathy malfunctions, it's because he sees a picture of of uh, Delos' daughter, William's fiance at the time. That's true. Uh, so I thought, well, wouldn't that be perfect if they were using Abernathy to, to hold the consciousness of Delos for whatever reason? Well, remember Abernathy totally freaks out. And so I thought, well, how perfect would that be if the reason he did was because that was the, the Delos consciousness and, yep. He sees his daughter and it brought back all those memories because we see how Jim reacts. He's a tough businessman, but when William talks to him, uh, we didn't mention, I I meant to, but we glossed over. It was in that second uh, baseline scene. uh, Delos asks about his wife and, and uh, William says, you know, you're not going to be able to do anything with her because she's been dead. She died of a stroke. And then and then he says, but, you know, my wife, your daughter is fine. Uh, we had your wife buried in the family plot and all that stuff. So we see how he reacts as soon as he finds out that his wife is dead and how worried he gets about his family and everything. And so, again, that was kind of a, a, a would have been a nice parallel to think, oh, well, if that was him inside Abernathy. And it's not disproven yet, but um, the more that I think about it with Delos being this whole experiment underground and we find out that they've been doing this experiment up until the, the current timeline. So I don't know why Abernathy would then have his brain. So I, um, at this point, I'm thinking that it's either um, Ford's consciousness or I'm thinking that it's right.
1: Crazy. That's the one that I would think most people who think hard about would think that yeah, it's Ford,
0: or, or Arnold yeah, is but... the other one because I mean, those are the two
1: that created this park. Those are the two that know
0: how it works. And Delos was very worried early on and or, you know, since mid to beginning of season one about if they fire Ford, get rid of him. How are they going to be able to keep the park running? And, and uh, you know, they've been trying to smuggle out all the IP during this whole time. But even if they have the IP, they don't have the mastermind. They don't have the the geniuses that invented right. it. So if you had either uh, Ford or Arnold's consciousness, you could still continue to develop the hosts and, and, you know, create all these new technology ideas and everything. So I think it's one of them, but they could totally surprise us. It could still be delos or it
1: could be a character that we haven't even thought of yet is it possible they could they would have for whatever reason used abernathy it could have been any host but in this case it was abernathy as a test for delos because i mean i i like what you're saying about what triggered him to to spaz out like he did a couple episodes ago or last last week i think um by seeing that photo um that i i just don't know why they would use a host that wasn't that wasn't well that's the question. so, So the main question we have to ask
0: ourselves is why would Delos be smuggling out Jim Delos's consciousness? Like, so we don't know exactly. I mean, yeah. the end game, obviously Delos is up to some crazy stuff here with, with, with monitoring their guests and creating these uh, host guest human hybrids here. Uh, but we don't exactly know why, but we know they're up to some crazy stuff, but why would they want Jim's consciousness, his 30, whatever year old consciousness that's never taken right. That's never worked right. I just, I'm not sure right. exactly what they would be doing with it. Whereas I have a reason for Arnold. I have a reason for Ford, although Ford might be a little bit risky because of what he's done. So, you know, that makes me kind of think yeah. that they wouldn't use Ford. maybe Arnold, but, uh,
1: I yeah, a, I don't know. I have a tinfoil theory, of uh, for Go Ford for it. that, uh, well, it's not mine. Yeah. I found it on Reddit. I was going to save it for afterwards, but, uh, uh, Reddit user one time only one this I only I saved this post because it was the most tinfoil theory that I read in my okay. show prep but <laughs> it said actually Stubbs is the reincarnation of a young Ford younger than even the flashbacks in season one he acts oblivious and is not aware of his part yet or his past yet because Ford has to slowly roll out quote unquote his own consciousness into Stubbs in order to avoid causing a quote unquote reality rejection like we saw with old man Wow! Yeah, you might get the tinfoil award. I, mean, I know it's not your personal <laughs> theory, but you no, that. not at all. But I thought it was interesting enough to mention because, to in my mind, uh, like Stubbs doesn't really have that big of a role in the show. So I feel like if there's something they're going to do with him, it might be a big, a big reveal that nobody expected so uh, out of everything that i've read all the small theories because everybody the whole community has all their own thoughts on what's what's going to come but i thought this one was kind of a kind of a a stretch but something not too far from like (laughs) you get the tinfoil
0: award for the episode that's for sure so uh we go back to uh we go back to the man in black at this point i um I don't want to skip over too much of this lab scene, but but Elsie, they, they see all the technology and everything. Uh, what we do notice is that uh, uh, Bernard has another one of those flashbacks, and we see him on that uh, control unit device, and he's creating a new... Uh, control unit which is the the consciousness which ends up going into you know the white uh, cpu type device that we saw in the first episode Uh, but we know that when when they deal with the human hybrids they use red and so he's creating this small little tiny red orb uh, that they're synthesizing in little clips and flashbacks throughout the episode and uh, when they go back to current time and or at least what we think is current time with bernard and elsie he says they weren't building hosts, not exactly. Same yeah. hardware, but the code is different. Language is not code at all. And right there, you know, I think if it hasn't already, it clicks in that it's not code. The reason why Elsie's never seen this quote-unquote code or language is because it's it's human consciousness. It's not programming. Yeah. I mean, obviously, they have to translate it to some sort of technology, but it's not typical code. It's something else. It's this unique technology that... Uh, No one outside of the higher ups, whoever invented it. And, uh, you know, certainly, certainly Williams aware of it and a few others. But this is this is something that that we have not ran into before. This is a whole different uh, evolution of host. And so. Um, Elsie finds this door, and it says something like there's a test subject, and there there's some warning up on the screen, but she's trying to get behind this door that clearly has something important behind it. And uh, Bernard has this moment, which I think is what you were alluding to earlier that kind of threw you off because Bernard is talking to Elsie about like, hey, don't go in there or, you know, be careful. And then she's not responding to him. And he, As we do, but he himself realizes that she's not responding because because he's not there. Not in that moment. Uh, Elsie mentioned earlier in the episode when she looks into Bernard's head that he's having these weird flashbacks and glitches because his memories are just floating around in his head. They're not in any kind of sequential order. So he right. he's blacking out and getting these memories in a weird order. And so this is another one of those is what we're led to believe that he is there, but he's not really there. It's like when he saw himself going into the cave, it's a memory, but he's, he's reliving it, uh, seeing it from almost a third person type of view. And so when he, when he says that it's like, is this where you were kind of thinking like, is this, is he seeing future as opposed to past? So,
1: Yeah. I'm glad, I'm glad I brought it up. On, I mentioned on Facebook and my friend Justin kind of questioned me on it to make me think about it even more. Cause the way that I heard it was that is exactly like you said, Elsie said, you're having these memories, but you don't know if it's coming before or after. Mm-hmm. So when I heard the before or after part, I was thinking that like, so we've seen in the cave Bernard standing there and he's seeing a memory of himself opening mm-hmm what i believe to be a memory of him opening the hatch to get to the lab sure and then at this scene after he says that he's like he's trying to talk to Elsie. LC. Elsie's not responsive he says oh i'm not really there am i so then uh, she's not responding he walks away so i'm wondering is he think is are we seeing bernard <laughs> in like a future uh memory in which he's thinking about or in which he's seeing Elsie trying to open that door. Like, I guess for a visual st- um, perspective, like in the cave, we saw real-time Bernard seeing a memory of Bernard opening, opening the, the lab. And then in the lab, I was thinking that we were seeing memory Bernard watching, or like the, the camera started following the memory of Bernard instead of the real-time Bernard. So what you were saying, I'm, I'm trying to simplify it. It's, simplify it's your really you, complicated. It. I think I
0: overcomplicated it. Well, you did. Cause it definitely isn't future Bernard. <laughs> but, but so just to get this straight, what you were thinking you saw was in the cave was him seeing his future self opening the hatch. And then he did it. Like you, you thought that you were seeing, like he was predicting what he was going to do. Like it was actually him in the future that he was seeing. Uh,
1: that, that, makes that's more clear than how i explained as opposed it. to just <laughs> being a memory of him opening it in of the past memory of him opening, but we know yeah. that he's opened it in the past so like i i yeah. i 100 believe that that was a memory like he's having these what did they call them, reveries of yeah. of him uh of him going down there because we saw the aftermath of what what happened to the people that were actually in that lab sure uh,
0: no i get it it's the thing is they've introduced a couple of different storytelling dynamics here they've introduced the the memory within a and within his vision type of thing where he watches another version of himself instead of just blacking out and seeing a flashback, you know, he's watching another version of himself. So that was a new weird thing. And then also they had that line where he's never tried to interact with someone and then been like, Oh, I'm talking to no one. Like it, I totally get where it it was was
1: just confusing. It was cool. Like I liked how the scene played out, but at the same time, like I had a hard time, comprehending how i was supposed to take it i guess but
0: yeah, it's all right it, you know they throw a lot at you and it's good and you're you're trained they've trained you to look at every little detail and yeah, and you yeah. always think something crazy is going to happen so now i totally totally get where you could see i'm that. trying to get on that kevin level of, <laughs> yeah. of detail catching keep working <laughs> keep working so uh so yeah the they he's trying to remember he's like what did we find behind that door he's trying to figure out what it what it, or just try to think like have i been there before what is it and so i'm it's a little crazy the way the timelines work with with bernard and elsie and i wouldn't be surprised if we're seeing some of this out of order as in i wouldn't be surprised if bernard's interactions with elsie are not chronologically happening the way that they're unveiled to us because that's just the type of show this is but for now we'll just take it as they're going on this journey this episode and it's happening sequentially but in future episodes do not be surprised if (laughs) if we find out that like bernard is seeing a past memory and they've already found delos and then they're coming back here again or something i don't know It's, it's crazy so uh bernard ends up saying it wasn't hosts we were making it was something else so yes that's the the hybrid uh human consciousness model that we're going to see Uh, Back at Men in Black uh, and uh, the bar here, uh, we see him tied up and he's talking with the major. And this is, aside from the William uh, Daddy Delos scenes, this is one of my favorite scenes in the entire not just episode, but season series. I think that this dialogue and performance by Ed Harris is just amazing. Beautiful. Uh, You know, not to take away anything from the major here. I mean, uh, Jonathan Tucker is is a good actor, but I mean, Ed Harris steals this scene and it's so well-written and, and, and and not only is it, is it well written and well-delivered, but it's just badass the way that
1: man in black carries himself. It's clearly a man in black scene. Yeah. Like, you know, he carries a scene, but without, you know, the reaction and the, the 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 uh, playing off of of uh, the major, you know, I, like I mean, it takes both of them to make that scene. But Ed Harris, yeah, I agree, just completely dominated it. It was just so good, and
0: and the, the really crazy thing there's so much going on in this scene but there's a lot of parallels back to season one like i mentioned before when man in black was sitting at the table and uh lawrence's family is there and he dances with lawrence's wife and and uh is mistreating them uh in front of lawrence and he doesn't care he thinks nothing of it and and uh it seems that he almost takes joy in the fact that it's he's not just doing it to do it he's trying to win the game but he also is like he's into it you know he's into playing the game and so now the roles are kind of reversed where it's still Lawrence who's taking the brunt of, of, of the beating here. And at this time it's the hands of the major, yeah. but man in black is watching this happen to Lawrence, uh, you know, still on the receiving end of this, but, but he sees this and he starts to, this is that moment that I mentioned earlier where he starts to take a turn where we're actually seeing man in black treat or think of Lawrence as a person, right. not just a host. Think- and so, as he's watching this it's it's really it's really interesting just to watch his face and he also is having flashbacks to his own Uh, troubled past where this is where we know we know that his wife has died and he mentioned in in another episode that uh, she she overdosed on pills and so as he's talking to the major we actually see these visuals these flashes again those quick flashes and it's it's a bathtub and and then you see a woman's arm hanging over the side of the bathtub a limp arm and we see the the tub is overflowing and then we see water you know splashing over the edge beautiful camera work here yeah but his his state of mind clearly breaking down at this point, and uh you know not not a total mental breakdown where he's just like going out of his mind, I don't know what to do, but but his he he just he's having a change of heart and and he's thinking of his own torment and what he's been through with his wife, and he's watching the major mistreat Lawrence's wife and mistreat lawrence and so at this point uh you know he he basically i mean he looks at him and he delivers this great monologue, and at the end of it he says you think you know death but you don't you didn't recognize him sitting across from you the whole time and then oh, he, so bad. oh it's such an awesome line and such a great delivery uh, so he kicks ass kicks the major's ass uh, he goes out and he, he takes the, the Lawrence's wife out of the rain and takes uh, she was carrying we know that just like with the bartender she was carrying a little glass of nitro out to Lawrence so clearly the major was going to kill him and uh, he takes it away he forces it down the major's throat and then he goes to Lawrence and gives him a rifle and believe
1: uh, this gun is yours. You said this one was yours.
0: <laughs> yeah, and uh, and uh, Lawrence takes aim and boom, blows up the major. Such a cool scene, yeah, and I what I haven't been this happy in a long time to see one of these these evil characters. Yeah, killed. aside
1: you know from how cool it looked and in the dialogue in it. I like that you pointed out the parallel to it's it's completely opposite to season one when when he was the one wreaking havoc in in the town the man in black was and and you can see here that he's the one that's uh uh has a change of heart and pre and preventing that like it's he's clearly on a different path than he was in the first season and yeah it's it's so just fun to watch like for lack of a better word that's also the first time we've ever seen him make a white hat move like
0: this the term, as, as I'm sure anyone that watches the show knows, but it's it's symbolic of, you know, it's literally you've got people wearing black hats and white hats in the show, but it's symbolic of the nature of the character they're playing when they're at Westworld. It goes back to gaming terms, uh, you know, white a white hat character is a good guy and a black hat is a bad guy. Yep. And so that's what they're saying here. And so Man in Black is, you know, again, he dresses in all black. They're really hitting it home with that. <laughs> but, I mean, that's that's the character that he is, William Transition. We see him in the light colors, the light hat early on when he comes to Westworld. And clearly he turns into man in black and, and turns into a black hat guy. And so we've seen him killing hosts and, and, and taking joy in it and just wanting to win the game. And now it, it, it really makes you think uh is he going to become a real good guy and uh and kind of learn the error of his ways i think he's definitely on a redemption path here and i think we're going to end up seeing the regression of man in black much like how we saw william become man in black i think we're going to see uh man in black before
1: it's said and done turn back into william yeah i i agree completely I th- that's why i find him the most compelling character or character since we see two different versions of them on the show, yeah, it's a compelling
0: character arc, and it's not even just an A to Z. It's like this is an A to Z back to A. <laughs> <character>. <laughs> right? Yeah. It's so interesting to see the same character go through two arcs uh, in this series so yeah. far. We're only in, uh, a year and a half into it, but uh, I I think that he's going to philosophically, you know, turn back into his old self, into the good guy White Hat William. But I would not be surprised if. William or man in black's consciousness is is transferred into a younger host body, and that's the way that we are going to end up seeing Jimmy Simpson permanently on the show, you know, for the rest of the time that it's on. I would not be surprised if if, you know, we see a young
1: version which he meets a younger version of himself. yeah, but but oh. I mean,
0: it's still still with the man in black's consciousness. but if his mind, oh, okay. his current mind is transferred into ah, a young body yeah. that way we get young William. we get jimmy simpson on the show but it's like not past jimmy simpson you know a way that we can get sure. you know have our cake and eat it too we're gonna get the man in black the evolved character with his redemption and his character arc but uh but in the know, form, form of of,
1: oh. of young man, of young william
0: yeah and it, again that's just a theory but i can definitely see them doing something like that no,
1: what they're doing you know the way that it's going and the fact that they can that he was so close to uh mm-hmm. to transferring consciousness um, effectively you know and like uh i mean the possibilities of where the show is going to end is or where it's going to go and where and where it's going to end is are are endless right now like there's no clear
0: let me ask you this so peter abernathy freaks out when he sees the picture of william's wife right yes his fiance at the time but it's william's wife we believe that to be the trigger yeah what if peter abernathy is smuggling out william's consciousness I would that would give him reason to freak out just as much because he would be seeing his wife as opposed to daughter. Uh, what if Delos? I mean, because Delos at this point is not talking to William. Like they're William's been off in the park doing his thing. Delos thing, yeah. has been trying to smuggle out the IP, working with uh, you know. Uh, Teresa and all that. I mean, they've been, they, they they work for the same company, but William is the head of Delos man in black is the head of Delos now, not uh, Jim Delos. And so I wonder if it's possible that, that, that he has captured or they have captured his consciousness. And Delos is like, well, we know that he's sick or that he might die in the park, whatever we need to get his consciousness out. So he can continue to run the company. Once all this turns around,
1: yeah, it's, I I like where it's going. I'd have to give that some more thought, but like throwing it out there. I just want it on record. Yeah. Let's revisit that. eventually. I, I, I like that idea. Well,
0: thank you. You know, it's just, I'm trying to get them out there when they come to me, because the more we talk about it, it's like,
1: Oh, what if, what if they
0: keep coming up? <laughs> so, uh, but one of them is bound to stick, right? Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> we go to our third and our final of the uh, interview scenes uh, of the baseline test that we see between Jim Delos and his son-in-law, William uh, Delos is looking quite stable. He's pouring his coffee creamer in no problems no mess uh he looks healthy we don't see him dancing but uh you know he he looks like a very put together person and uh the 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 thing is it's the same routine but the first you know thing the first uh, clue that we get that this is a different time period is we see a different assistant someone that we've never seen it's a male first of all but uh a totally different person than we saw in the first two so that's your first clue of like oh this is interesting I, so at this point, I thought, okay, there's the big time leap. And uh, I'm like, we're going to see Man in Black, which we've never seen Man in Black, uh, you know, Man in Black Age William talk to Jim Della's before. So I was really excited to get this. He comes in and, and Jim is just like, who the hell are you? I doesn't recognize Yeah, him. and then he looks at him and he's like, william and so you know and at this point it's it's great again and the way that peter mullen plays this up you can see the wheels turning the cogs are are greased and turning in his head and he's like wow he's realizing i i have been dead for a long time and yeah uh, he you've been just
1: catching up when the uh yeah he had uh Sorry, I lost myself there again. It's uh, okay. It's okay. So it's 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 just it's really great
0: the way they do this and really fascinating because you have to think that this whole time William has go- been going back over and over again to these different iterations of the Jim Delos host hybrid, and he's experiencing this time and time again. It's getting old, but Jim does the same thing and has the same reaction every time. And so this is a new host being booted up for the first time. Uh, we find out this is actually host number 149. So it is, it has been, you know, there have been so many Jim Delos's and so many uh, pieces of furniture because we find out <laughs> earlier in the show, we didn't mention it, but when they're done with, with each version of Delos, they don't just shut them down. They just don't, they don't buy oh, uh, the
1: whole room.
0: Yeah. They, 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 Do you torch think that's supplies. excessive. I do. Uh, I do think it's excessive. Uh, part of me, when I was like trying to think why they would do that, I was trying to think of like a, a technical, scientific level. And I thought, well, you know, variables, they're trying to keep constant variables. They don't want any other influences. There could be some kind of a contamination. Maybe, you know, William's coming from the outside world. They don't want any contaminants to get in there. They don't want to. You know, screw anything up, or have him see something that would trigger a reverie. You know, I'm trying to think of yeah. all this technical stuff. When it comes down to it, again, in that interview with Lisa Joy that Entertainment Weekly did, her name, her main number one reason that the, of the flames was for the imagery. So, okay, it, it wasn't really because of any of that technical jargon that I was theorizing. It's because it looked cool and. Uh, There's a lot of quotes in this episode, a lot of quotes by Delos in particular that mention the devil. And so what they're trying to, I mean, this is a huge metaphor for him being stuck in hell. That's what it comes down to. Yeah. Uh, The flames are a literal interpretation of that, of, you know, hell, flames. You know, it's a a bit on the nose, but it's very effective. I think it's beautiful imagery uh, the way they do it. But uh, Jim says the same line, Every single time. It's kind of a toast of sorts. Whenever he pours the drink that William brings him, he says this toast and he says that he says, if you're going to try to cheat the devil, at least you owe him an offering. And so that comes up time and time again. He says it a few times and then we get yeah, the flames. Yeah. And We see when, when William has this interaction and he tells Jim during the second scene, and then really, really in the third scene is when he lays it all out because a lot has changed. And again, Jim is finding this all out each time. William reveals a piece of information and years go by, there's more and more that are hitting him. And so he, he breaks down a lot harder this time. And, uh, you know, it's just, it's crazy to watch him endure this. And, and not only is his wife dead, but, you know, he, he says, you know, he says, you know, when he's, when he mentions his daughter, uh, William's wife, uh, she says, he says that she killed herself and, 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 you know, he has a a breakdown even further. And so, yeah, it really, it's just a a phenomenal scene again. And, uh, we're seeing this. Yeah. We're seeing this. I think this is where you really, that, that metaphor for hell comes back in that, you know, Jim Delos is this man who this powerful businessman who created this company that financed this entire park. And the whole point of this experiment, uh, that they're on, you know, build 149 of is so that he can try to live forever. But instead of finding this fountain of youth, instead of living out his life and and having this great, powerful, glorious rest of his days, He's stuck in hell. He's he's stuck in repeating the same moment over and over again, and finding out over and over again that his wife is dead, and finding out that his daughter is dead, and that he's been dead for thirty years. You know, it's yeah. it it really is a quite literal hell that he's stuck in, and it even hammers at home that they burn him to death, oh <laughs> time and time again. You know, so I think that was really great. It was really clever the way that they pulled that all together. Uh, it was a really really perfect metaphor you know the way it all comes around by the end of the episode so uh bravo to to lisa joy and, and and everybody involved with the show with that one this is just a jaw-dropping awe-inspiring episode i absolutely love it peter mullen i don't know if we're gonna see him anymore this season because it seems like we're kind of retiring yeah. jim delos but uh who knows maybe maybe we'll pop up again whether in flashbacks or another host version i mean who yeah, knows he's incredible we'll I,
1: I hope there's some way to to bring him back but it seems like that being the last build that we know of um, it's it seems unlikely yeah. we'll see him in his physical form but what's what's yeah. to say that we won't <laughs> with the with, yeah. right you
0: know, yeah. anything's possible when,
1: when they're able to create people and put their brains put
0: their consciousnesses and hosts like anything's possible exactly. but uh william realizes that that uh he's 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 definitely being affected more and more. Uh, he's, he's stuttering. He's, he's being kind of frozen up whenever he talks. And, uh, he says that it's, uh, you know, the 149th build, but this happens every time, eventually, eventually, whether it's hours, minutes, days, you know, he gets to this what they call a cognitive plateau. And at this point it's been 35 days. So it's been 140, 49 times. It's been over 30 years. And, uh, they're at the point where you know he can only make it 35 days before he shorts out now i mean he says maybe they'll get it right someday maybe in a year or two they'll fix it but at this point it's taken this long and and the guy can only last a month so that's why it also leads me to believe that this technology is not perfected and is nowhere close to being perfected you don't want to just have a 30-day host hybrid out there for whatever their end game is whether it's you know, personally for William or Jim to live forever, or if they're trying to take over governments and, and replace people with, with, you know, these fake guests, these pseudo guests, whatever they're trying to do, 30 days is definitely not, I think, you know, the perfect situation for them. So I don't know, I don't know what we're going to end up seeing by the end of the season. Uh, the since the technology isn't perfected, are we going to see them try to continue the research, or are they going to need Arnold slash Bernard's help to perfect the research? You know, I'm just not quite sure if there's a missing puzzle piece they're looking for that maybe we have
1: in Bernard slash Arnold. Uh, you know, we're just gonna have to wait and see. Part of me thinks that uh, that Ford may have perfected part of his game is is because uh, he he mentions in in a line. Um, at, at to the Man in Black from the young girl that uh, that you're not looking in the right direction. Like if you're looking if you're looking forward, you're looking in the wrong direction. Mm-hmm. And part of me thinks that Ford may have perfected it. And, and like like I mentioned earlier, I think like the the end game is going to be Man in Black versus versus Ford. I mean that's that's clearly they already have a a rivalry. Right. And the first season it was. Uh, Ford as the protagonist and the Man in Black is is the antagonist, but this season clearly, or at least to me, I've kind of flip flopped on that, and I'm, I'm sure. feeling a lot more toward the Man in Black as 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 kind of the hero with with his with his change of heart. You know, with with sure. we're, what we're seeing, um, you know, we know when he was he developed into a not so good person over the course of running Delos, and now with his change of heart, I feel like uh, he's trying to to get rid of the monsters or for lack of a better word that he's created or that he's, uh, at least managed while that, that Ford created and Ford's not allowing him to do that. So I, I mean, there's, there's a, a lot of layers there that I think still need to be uncovered, but, uh, that's, that's the direction my mind is heading right now. Definitely. Well, that is the philosophical question of
0: the show out here is who is the real villain? Because, yeah. you know, Ford, you say he, you know, at the beginning and in, in last season, as you mentioned, Ford was the good guy, man in black seemed to be the bad guy, but you have to remember too, that Ford at the end of season one, uh, after kind of going, uh, not really kind of after he went against Arnold's wishes and took the park in a different direction than Arnold had intended. He then at the end seemed to have a change of heart and he wanted to reverse the wrongdoing he has done. And he, he was helping the hosts find freedom and find their own consciousness, which is what Arnold wanted. And so that's what you have to ask, even though, even though he has set these hosts free and the hosts are now killing humans and Dolores is Wyatt and she's killing humans you have to ask, and this is, there's not a wrong or right answer. This is the philosophy. Who is the good guy? Is Ford being a bad guy or is he actually doing the right thing here? I mean, that's up for debate. And that's what makes the show so interesting is that, I mean, clearly we know it's not good to murder people, but (laughs) for the sake of the show, it's like, he, he's also setting these hosts free where do you agree that these hosts are just robots? Are they just, are they just things or because they have, because they can be free thinking and they, they have feelings and they, they have interactions and look and, and, and do everything that a human can do human skin on the outside. It's like, are they more than just things? Are they, are they something that goes beyond, you know, being able to just blow up and kill or, you know, have sex with like, are they, <laughs> are they deserving of their own freedom because right. they've evolved to that point where they basically are human. So that is, that is one of the questions and we're going to keep getting deeper and deeper into it as the season goes. But uh, kind of getting to the end here of the episode, uh, which is always a sad thing, and especially with one so good. But uh, William leaves Daddy Delos uh, instead of burning the whole room like they've done 148 times before. On this 149th time, he tells the technician working there uh, that says that we should, you know, deactivate and reboot everything. William says, "No, leave it. Let him let him degrade." And uh, he tells he he is just told him that uh, his wife is dead his daughter is dead and she killed herself his son logan od'd years ago uh you know we're led to believe overdose means he's dead it doesn't technically mean he is but i took it as that logan's dead So, uh, you know, he's left to descend into madness and we see Delos, uh, throwing chairs and and tipping over furniture and crashing things. And so he's just left there. And at this point in time, we don't know how long it's been, but, uh, we come to find out later on in the next scene that it's, it's not too long before Bernard and Elsie are going to stumble upon him. So we go back to the two of them and they are, uh, they are, they get, into that door that Elsie was looking at earlier. And we find out that the, the uh, room that Delos was staying in his chambers is what was behind that secret facility there. And so it says build 149 on the pad. So we know that that's where they are, but everything's destroyed. It's red lights, uh, you know, which is usually a a warning symbol in these uh, future technology driven things, you know, (laughs) red lights are bad when, when uh, the whole place is illuminated with them. And we see just the place completely demolished with, with, furniture and, and and things just strewn about and uh they go into this uh into the room where Delos was. And this time we see Delos pedaling backwards on his cycle. It's a really creepy, yeah. you know, it, it's something like a scene like out of the shining, you know, when you see the, the creepy little girl twins, it's one of those scenes that kind of gave me that same feeling
1: because it's all red. Everything's destroyed. He's not painting your thing. Like he was at the beginning where he's like actually working yeah. it out. He's just slowly pedaling backwards. And
0: well, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's just <laughs> a weird <laughs> thing. I mean, not only, not only are you in this creepy dark room where everything's destroyed and you don't know what's going to happen or who's going to pop out at you, but you have this like demonic character pedaling backwards. Yeah. It's just really (laughs) intense. And I love everything about the imagery and and the performance here, but Delos ends up getting off the bike and you see him look into the glass and you see his reflection and his face is all cut up and bloody. He has clearly been just, just, been a wreck as he's has descended into madness in there and he says this line he says i'm all the way down now i can see all the way down to the bottom would you like to see what i see and bernard ends up taking him out he uh delos throws elsie to the floor but bernard takes him out and crashes him through a table or something and he gives another one of these great lines and another parallel uh with with the devil in hell he says they said there were two fathers, one above, one below. They lied. There was only ever a devil. And when you look up from the bottom, it was just his reflection laughing back down at you. And uh, damn, I mean, that is some intense writing right yeah. there. And uh, once again, uh, y- y- you know, it shows you he's in his own personal hell. Now you have the red the red lights and you have him all bloody and creepy looking and he's reciting this, this devilish poetry. Uh, it's just so crazy. And amazing to see how this strong, powerful character has gone from owning the world and and being in charge to breaking down and, and realizing that he's stuck and being tortured in hell. Yeah. And uh, uh, amazing,
1: powerful writing and imagery here. And part of me wonders why uh, he left him that way. Like, why didn't he burn him like the rest of them? Like, he wasn't like... I mean, I guess he could have been mad that his, his project over the last 30 years just was not working. But like, that's just, I feel like it's a terrible way to just leave him to suffer like that. Well, even actually, though that he's, he's not technically real, but I mean, in a way that he is, but that's, you know, no, well, that's the, uh, that's the question we just brought yeah. up. So you're right. And uh, the, the
0: excuse that William gives, he tells the technician that we can study his degradation. So that's true. He instead that. of, think, instead yeah. of, instead of just torching him once, this happens which had been 35 days in the 149th build but they've always just turned them off and torched everything they've never actually seen what happens to the brain to the breakdown and so you know you talked about going backwards we've we've talked about different different hosts alluding to william when they're speaking through ford that you need to start at the end and work your way back to the beginning i don't think it's coincidence that at this point in time delos although he's seems although he seems all cut up and he seems creepy and whatever but he's never stuttering he's not stammering no he 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 doesn't do that once and remember at the beginning of the scene he's pedaling backwards and i think that has to be important that that imagery and that symbolism there that uh during that time that he had that breakdown uh once he once he came to grip with these things and, and faced that uh that travesty and all the the terrible things that happened in his life losing the people he loved himself uh coming to grips with his mortality and and not being able to create this uh, everlasting life because this project isn't working once he's come to life with with all his loss and all his terrible uh all the terrible things in his life it seemed like the the degradation stopped and and he was able to resume you know normal operation and stop breaking down and so I think that I think that we're we're seeing that 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 starting at the end and working your way backwards or pedaling backwards or uh, going back and coming to grips with with your past, I think that 's what they're trying to show with this scene, and so it's it's another symbolic moment of what uh, the man in black is going to have to do to become William again is he's going to have to work his way back and find out why he did the things he yeah. did why why was he so um infatuated with delos and why was he so uh you know passionately driven to to unlock the secrets and and to to further this part and and you know how did he become this this black hat character so yeah i, I think that there was a lot to unpack and that's why you can watch this scene in particular and these moments with jim delos over and over again because there's so much meaning to take right, from yeah. them. It's really cool. Really cool. So Bernard and Elsie end up leaving him in there, and he says his line once again. I think for the <laughs> fourth time, he says, "You aim to cheat the devil. You owe. You at least owe him an offering." And uh, they do incinerate the room this time. And uh, again, just just a very yeah, haunting very imagery. Much. You've got bloody, creepy you know, devil, uh, devil poetry reciting Jim Delos in the flames being burnt alive. Uh, and, and it's just, yeah, it's fantastic looking and and intimidating. And, uh, Elsie turns to Bernard and says, tell me that was a host and not a person. And Bernard says, I think it was both. (laughs) Yeah. That man was Jim Delos. And, uh, and Elsie says, oh, I thought he died years ago. And so this is when the two of them are really coming to grips with, they are, Delos is creating, uh, human host hybrids uh and so this is what we're going to be getting into and uh bernard says that ford had him print a control unit for someone else another human which he doesn't know who and so this is the big question whose whose consciousness when when bernard who we believe was bernard under ford's control who did he have him print Uh, we see a flashback of the last one of the episode where Bernard goes into the lab and it was before all the chaos that happened. We see how all the technicians die. Uh, He pockets the red, the red sphere, which is the control unit. And he commands the drone host to kill all the technicians. And that's how they end up, uh, you know, punctured on the wall and dead on the ground. Not only that, but they they kill themselves. Yeah. Yeah. Really creepy where all those hosts end up snapping their own necks and then uh, there was one tech left alive, and this is something that we, you know, we don't see this side of Bernard often, except for when he was under Ford's control. But that the technician is looking up at the ground at who we believe is Bernard again, and uh, Bernard curb stomps oh, him God. into the ground. Like it's just, I mean, we're used to rooting for Bernard, and he's such a great person. Uh, and, and and you know, and I clearly, I don't think this is Bernard. Yeah. This is Ford's influence.
1: Should also be noted that he's remembering this at the same time that Elsie is asking him to promise that he won't hurt her again. yeah. So he he says, you have to promise me you won't hurt me again. And then he thinks about everything that, or that entire moment in which uh, he has these guys killed and where he stomps that last tech unfazed, um, you know, no emotion whatsoever. And then, yeah, it comes back to him and he, and he nods or I think he says, I won't, but like you, you, you know, as the viewer that like, He's fully capable of still doing that, assuming that he's not being controlled, like as you said. Yeah,
0: yeah, it's a, it's a really crazy to, to have those, those two scenes side by side. Yeah, uh, and because she asks him if everything's all right, because he's staring off, having this flashback, and he says that everything's fine, but clearly it's not. So we'll see. I, I I'm very anxious to see what that was all about. My theory again is that Ford was having. Bernard go down to this lab and and create this consciousness. Now, what he's going to do with it and whose it is, I don't know. I have two theories about this. I think either Ford was trying to right his wrongs in the past with Arnold, and this is Arnold's consciousness that he was able to somehow capture, okay. and he wants Bernard to go and create this this Arnold uh, control unit and create a Arnold hybrid host so that he can bring his partner back to life and 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 right the wrong. Or the the obvious answer, which it may seem a little too obvious, is that it's Ford. Ford isn't really dead. And then this is a two-parter. Did Ford create a hybrid host and that is who died during the big scene at the end of season one? or did the real ford die but his consciousness is living on in another human hybrid that we're going to see you know surprise us out of nowhere oh my gosh there's ford he's back to life
1: if we stick to the decay that we saw or you know what the with the with the insects in the in the eye of his body in the premiere then i i mean i, I would think that it's leading to a, a hybrid of ford being created you know, there are yeah. there are still some people, myself included, after the first episode, that wasn't 100 percent certain that that Ford wasn't a host at that at the at the dinner scene. Sure. But uh, you know, it, it seems with the direction they're going with the transfer of consciousness and stuff, that uh, very well court Ford could have some sort of backup plan with a consciousness transfer. We already know that he his consciousness exists in in the coding of of where he can basically just communicate to the man in black through any host. It seems like.
0: Yeah, we know that he has some level of consciousness existing, it's already captured. So it would not be beyond the realm of possibility that he was a, that he had him put it in a control unit. And there is a host hybrid walking around with that consciousness. I mean, yeah. it, it would be easy. I think the only thing that leads me to believe the first theory is the one we're going to see is that it's it's a little obvious that Ford would have Bernard make a Ford host hybrid yeah. like it, it just that's the obvious choice and i think that it's going to be a lot more powerful if ford is trying to right the wrongs of his past and bring his partner arnold back to life and it's very possible with all the tricky time lapses that we've seen i'm starting to wonder is the bernard that we see in uh, episode one i believe it was is the bernard that we see washed up uh in the water is that actually arnold as opposed to the Bernard host. Is that this Arnold hybrid consciousness? Because you have to remember that version of Bernard Arnold does not talk. <laughs> he never, he never says who he is. Right. He he really is kind of thrown for a loop. He looks very confused. And I think the red herring, if there is one of it is you're supposed to think, Oh, he's been on this whole journey and he doesn't know what's happened. And we're going to see what, what took him from the, the massacre to 11 and a half days later when he washes up on shore. Yep. But I think the big reveal might be that that is Arnold in this host hybrid, and uh, the reason why he seems so out of it is because he's just awakening, and whatever happens uh, throughout this season is going to land him there, and and uh, we're going to see a whole different side of that character. So again, it might be a little tinfoily, but uh,
1: I would not be super surprised
0: if it ends up going
1: that route. Yeah, I could uh, I could see any of that happening or any of it not. And they'll do something completely different, but it'll still be so, uh, so great at the same time. Yeah.
0: It would be really, really cool. Um, So anyway, uh, we're going to get to the last uh, scene and then wrap it up for this episode. We go back to uh, Lawrence's town. We see uh, him kind of cleaning up and, and hugging his wife and his daughters nearby. And uh, Lawrence says that he he his cousins want to enlist and, and go out and help them on their quest here. And the man in black does tell him that it's a, a one way trip that that he's not going to be coming back. But yeah. Lawrence signs up as his cousins end up going with him, uh, but not before he has another interaction with creepy daughter ford uh consciousness here uh she says to him that uh you know even though he did this one good deed it doesn't change the person that he is and they may not remember who the real william is but but uh he slash she this this ford hybrid daughter here whatever you (laughs) want to call her you know she knows who he really is yeah and uh you know i really like this uh this interaction because it shows us even though I mean, we we clearly see William changing here. We clearly see him caring about Lawrence and caring about a host like we've never seen him before. But William still is kind of denying it, either whether it's real or he's just, you know, lying to himself. But he says, you know, that it's not a good deed. He's trying to make it seem like, well, no, it's a means to an end or I had to save him so he could help me on my quest. Uh, so it's a neat little insight there into what his mind is going through. But uh, the big takeaway from this is another clue that the Ford girl tells him. Yep. She says, you still don't understand the game we're playing here. If you're looking forward, you're looking in the wrong direction. So again, it's like she's really hammering at home every time they talk you keep you keep hearing ford say with this game that you're going to start at the end and work towards the beginning and now if you're looking forward it's the wrong way so william needs to look at it look to his past and that's why i think we especially keep getting these flashbacks because this is this is william man in black coming to grips with his past and this season is that that uh, regression back to the person he used to be.
1: Yeah. You made a comment just now that may, got me thinking a little bit. Um, yeah. It was, it was only, it was uh, just a small detail that you mentioned where you said that he's never cared about a, ho- a host, whatsoever in regards to um, like how he's reacting now. But, I think, like, if you think back far enough, of course, the whole first season is like he was, you know, clamoring for 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 Dolores. He couldn't believe that he was falling for for this host person before mm-hmm. she ultimately broke his heart because he realized, you know, it was like this this mind uh, screwed for him that uh, um, that could never work. It, it, it wasn't as real as he thought it was, and what might have set him on this path to to uh, to be becoming the the, the evil man that he that he became that maybe ford's trying to push him back into into that mindset that like you can care about these people or, or about these hosts as if they were people and and we're starting to see hints of that with lawrence and and uh and and his wife and you know protecting them that this is just something I'm I'm just starting to think about now based on yeah, something no. you said that like so he had cared about one before and maybe Ford is playing a game to sure to show him that you still can care about them like they're real people.
0: Absolutely. I mean I think the real key here that you know to be careful with your phrasing, uh you know, what I was alluding to is man in black has never cared about a host like that. William has. And so if he's going to, you know, start at the end and work his way back. And if he's going to look back to his past, we're talking about, you know, we, we, this is the same person, but we call young William is William and man in black is Ed Harris. And so, I think I think you really hit the nail on the head there that William cared about Dolores but that was the last time that he did care about a host and once he shut that off he became Man in Black right. even though he was a lot younger back then but the the transition to Man in Black happened when he decided to consciously stop looking at hosts as people and looked at them as a thing. If you think about the retirement party with daddy Delos, he, he goes and he says to Dolores, you know, you really are just a thing. So like, it's a really cold moment and Dolores is just looking at him. She was all smiles before. And she really is like, taken aback without words but you see it in her face when he says that to her and uh you know from that moment i think was was where he flipped the switch and and where he ends up transitioning to man in black so yeah absolutely um if william is going to solve this this puzzle if he is going to beat this game he is going to have to become william man in black will have to become william again and that means uh caring about the the hosts and uh, you know and and it will be interesting to see what he ends up doing as the head of delos is he going to end up uh you know trying to shut down the park i could very easily see it coming down to a fact where you know he becomes william again he has a change of heart he wants to pretty much shut the park down but delos the rest of Delos clearly isn't going to be like, Oh, that's great. Okay. Well, I'll just retire now. Like, you know, I mean, Delos is this huge corporation and I think with them stealing the consciousness of guests, stealing their DNA and their experiences and creating these hybrid hosts, I think that Delos has much larger plans. I'm, I'm thinking military, I'm thinking, uh, you know, political plans again we mentioned this a couple episodes ago, but if you watch the movie Future World, this is starting to get closer and closer to following certain plot points of that because the whole movie Future World revolves around them taking the guests at, at Delos, uh, you know, which is West World, Future World, Medieval World, uh, Roman World, Samurai World, all that stuff. They were taking the guests' experiences, and they were actually taking world and political leaders and replacing them with with clones essentially so it seems to me that that the reason that delos wants to do all this is is for the same goal is to uh i think implant people in positions of power and i know it sounds a little a little bit more uh you know maniacal than than we've talked about before but you know is it too crazy to say take over the world kind of no, I think that's kind of what they're, they want to do is they want to become a superpower and, and, uh, you know, right now they rule this park, but I think they want to, they want Delos to kind
1: of become a, a world leader. Yeah, no, I, I, could, I could see that entire, just by the way that, that, uh, Jim ran the company or that we can assume the way Jim ran the company by his attitude and his, his, his sternness, um, and passing it off to, uh, to, uh, to Jim, or uh, I was going to say Jimmy to, uh, William to William that, uh, like he clearly has a reputation. Jim had a reputation for being, you know, a, a strong business leader and it wouldn't be as far as big as De- uh, Delos has to be to, to support these, these six, at least six parks and, um, the work that they're doing. I mean, it has to be incredibly expensive and, and, uh, the money that they're pulling in from that would make them one of, if not the, you know, top companies in the world. So, uh, I could just. Totally see that, you know, that was on their agenda to for world domination. <laughs> yeah, it's
0: it's it sounds kind of crazy when you think about it. It's like, oh, I wouldn't put it past them. We see the guys go off on their little journey here. It's Man in Black, uh, Lawrence and his cousins. Something I thought, it may just be coincidence or it may just be kind of a an homage, but I believe there's seven of them. So it really reminded me of The Magnificent Seven when they, they ride. Uh, I don't know if you've ever seen. I didn't them. catch that. But I mean, uh, The Magnificent Seven is a remake of Seven Samurai. So same idea there, but there's, there's seven seven of these guys riding off on horses. And so I thought it was a really great camera work. It's like a sweeping shot of them out, uh, you know, in the horses uh, in formation, riding out to their to their destination. And, uh, you know, I just, I, I counted them. I thought the first time I watched it, there were seven, but I'm like, I'm going to recount and sure enough when I watched it again I'm like there's seven horses there so I don't know ah. if that is supposed to did yeah. you see Chris Pratt I didn't but uh, <laughs> I didn't see, uh, Steve McQueen or any of the other oh, older guys either the older so one. <laughs> uh, yeah I didn't see any anybody uh, that we knew other than uh, Man in Black and, and Lawrence but Lawrence. Uh, yeah. yeah. so anyway they all, they all ride off and then this very last scene is is they they, they all stop and they see someone they, there's a really cool shot where someone was is a great shot coming yeah, in with the sun behind it. them it's really like, yep. it's, it's really bright. And there's someone coming out from, from the, the, uh, with the sun behind them and they walk up and sure enough, who else is it, but grace. Grace. And this is yeah. really cool. And I, I, I definitely saw this coming. I was really happy with it
1: though. Yeah, uh, when she but, pulled up, I knew what she was going to say.
0: Yep. And, and it was really cool. I, I mean, yeah, word for word, but I'm like, cause I'm like, if they're as good as I know they are, this is all they're going to say. And it's going to cut the black. <laughs> and uh, Grace rides up and she says, hi dad. Hi, Dad. And, and that's it. And, uh, and so we now know that grace was really a pseudonym. It was not, uh, she is not grace as they put on IMDV. Very tricky, very clever yeah. uh, Westworld world people, but uh, she is, Is really Emily, the man in black, William's daughter. So the question is,
1: what the hell is she doing there? Is it uh, safe? I mean, we kind of assume from the the third last week that, I mean, it's safe to assume she's a real person, but like, it's not a hundred percent, right? Like, could she?
0: I'm pretty sure she's real.
1: Yeah, I, I was too, but I, I was trying to think, I was like, okay, what if she's not no, real, it's not, if this it's is not part proven, of, yeah, if this is part of Ford's game, like she could very well be a host, ah. there, you, know, the, you know, so that, that's the only reason I thought that. Cause last week when we discussed it, I was certain that she was a human too, just based on the, the interactions, the test, I mean, she didn't get tested. She tested, uh, I forget the man's name from last season where she shot him or last season, last episode, mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, where she shot him and then she talked about coming in on the train and you know, but um she's very fluent with um with the park. She knows the language of the of the ghost nation and uh so and Stubbs even asked her at one point this episode is like you, you come here enough that you know their language? So clearly it makes sense that when we find out that she's the daughter of the head of
0: Delos, I mean, clearly she's been to the park plenty. Uh, The things that we do know, we know that they obviously have a, they're an estranged relationship. Uh, She, she clearly blames her father for the death of her mother. Um, They don't get along. Man in black has said it to several hosts throughout the series so far. Uh, So we know they don't have a really good relationship. So the question is when they finally do talk when they really talk, are we going to? What kind of relationship are we going to see? Are they going to work together? Are they going to go separate ways? Uh, and yes, like you said, I mean, we may not see it. It may not be totally clear. But could this this uh, could this really be a host, or at least some kind of host or host hybrid? Could this be a part of Ford's game? Is this really his daughter, or is this something? Uh, That has been programmed to uh, help him along his journey and and again start working backwards where he's estranged from his daughter and you know the wife is dead and everything would rekindling a relationship with his daughter help him start working back towards his past. Yeah. So, yeah, very interesting to see. Uh, the other option, which, again, I'm just going to leave you with this totally tinfoil hat, tin hat theory. But <laughs> the other theory is uh, we've already seen how Delos does this with, with hosts, how they work them through their loops and they work them on their journey. And that's uh, they work them with their baseline tests and how they they find consciousness and how they work out all the kinks and all that what if this whole game, what if this is really already a host hybrid of William Man and Black and Ford is is doing a baseline test with him?
1: I mean, yeah, like <laughs> that. those cross my cross my mind too. like yeah. just completely tinfoil. I, I don't throw them out there as much as you do, but like a part of me thinks, what if this whole thing is just like an elaborate, right. like uh, uh Turing test or something, you know, like, yeah, I I don't know. I, I feel like that's the,
0: that's the thing that no one, not no one, obviously we just mentioned it, but I mean, most people would never see that coming. But I mean, we don't really know what happened uh, after that massacre. I mean, we see, we see man in black get shot uh, in the season one finale. And then of course we see that he's alive in, in season two and doing his thing, but it's completely possible that in that time during that whole evening and the next day that we don't see him. Um, that he could have been replaced somehow. I don't know. I, again, it's a little tin foily, but yeah. but it would really line up with what we've seen in the past with hosts and them going through all these tests and and uh, you know the way that they work with the way Dolores went through her loop that that Arnold was guiding her on and the way that uh, even Jim Delos in this very episode kept living through the same loop to try to you know work things out. What if this is just one of many? tests or or you know or or that he will or has gone through um that would be a
1: completely mind-blowing experience yeah and where that was episode four we got six more episodes of just <laughs> can't wait to see what happens it's insane
0: and so yeah we're uh that's where this episode ends again arguably the best episode of the series uh my favorite of the season season. for sure yeah uh, my favorite of the season uh i think last episode was mine up until now but this definitely takes the cake i loved it uh incredible performances amazing writing and incredible directorial debut uh by lisa joy yeah so yeah lots to think about and uh you know if you don't want to know any spoilers, uh, we'll, we'll let you turn this off now. But if you, don't, if, if you don't care about what's coming up next episode, we haven't seen it, but we have seen the preview. Uh, Brad, why don't you tell them what they can look forward to next week?
1: It looks like it's going to be a whole lot of Shogun World with Maeve and, uh, and Lee and um, Hector.
0: I think the main
1: thing I was thinking was we
0: didn't get any Maeve or Dolores, so I I feel like Dolores has to come back this next episode.
1: Yeah, um, it doesn't look so... I don't know if you checked out the preview or not, um, but wow. it doesn't look like it from what I remember. All I saw was a lot of uh, new characters. Like It looks like it's going to take place entirely in Shogun World, um, since wow. that's where the last episode ended off.
0: That's so cool that we got a lot of insight into the Raj, and now we're going to get you know,
1: maybe a whole episode on Shogun world. It would be so cool to see these different parks and how they work. The preview for it is, is worth checking out. Um, um, because it, it gives you a good glimpse of the way that it's shot and, and the style that it, it It was a really neat preview. You would almost not know that it's aside from the characters that it was a Westworld episode. That's coming. Oh, cool. Because- it, it, it looks really, really cool. Awesome. Not that the other episodes don't, sure. but it, it, it looks so incredibly different, but yeah, I'm looking forward
0: to it. Very interesting how this episode, we didn't see Maeve or Dolores, two of the main characters. Uh, we've never had an episode, this entire series without either of them. And this one showed Show. neither. And uh, look how amazing this was just focusing on William slash man in black's journey. Um Really, really interesting how they did that, how they could, this show is so good that they can take away the two main characters, the two storylines that we followed now for a season and a half and still make a compelling episode, arguably the best of of the series. It's amazing.
1: Yeah. I feel like they're telling, they're telling three different stories. Uh, I mean, they're all connected in some way, but like the man in black and, and William um, their, their story is like, like the overall feel of what Westworld is. And right. how it came to be while, uh, while uh, Dolores is still the, the question of whether or not she's making free choices. Uh, so well, Mave's is as well, but they're on two incredibly different journeys within, within this world. And to me, as as I stated earlier, that I I feel like the building of this world and the uh the more morality of it, of of how it came to be what it is, is is what compels me the most. I'm still very much interested in what Maeve and Dolores and Teddy and all of them are doing within Westworld. But uh but the man in black and Williams uh journey in, in Ford in creating it uh is is so much more compelling to me.
0: Yeah, it's really cool. It's 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 really neat. Like you said, it's like three separate little stories, and it's it's really cool to see them all strung together. It's uh, it's it's gonna be neat to be able to go back and watch this season along with season one to be able to watch the first two seasons and and know when exactly all these different timelines are happening and and to be able to put them together. Um, it's such a, sh- a cool show to go rewatch, which I honestly don't rewatch shows that often. Um, you know, I, I I usually put a good amount of distance between watching movies over again, but eventually we'll re-watch a good movie but yeah. before this season even started i watched the entire west world uh, i binged it in like two days i went through the first yeah. season <laughs> and uh and loved it loved every moment of it but anyway that is uh season two episode four um oh and we should mention real quick uh because uh the listeners really liked it last week when we did this but going back to the the title of the episode the riddle of the sphinx uh it's, it's an old riddle. Uh, from all, It's been around forever. But uh, the riddle of the Sphinx uh, is, is uh, you may have heard it before, which creature has one voice and yet becomes four-footed and two-footed and three-footed? The answer is man because he crawls on all fours as a baby, then he walks on two feet and as an adult, and then he it uses a walking cane. stick in old yeah. age or a cane. So who do you think it's uh, – who do you think that they're talking about in this one? Um, I, I can, you think it's
1: someone specific?
0: Well, that's the thing. I, I feel like it's either because it's so centers around Jim Delos, I could see it either being him or, or being William. That's the answer to the riddle in specific. Um, I feel like there has to be a meaning. It has to pertain to at least one of the characters.
1: I don't, I don't think I would bank on it being someone specific is more. So it's the answer to the riddle was, was just man. Um, so and the, I think like the theme, especially after the episode's done, and you realize what their goal was with trying to live forever and and and, and transfer consciousness. That um, and even the ghost nation and in and William himself says it like we're not meant to live forever. That uh, I think it's more of just a meaning that uh, the significance of it is that man crawls, walks, and then you know. Hobbles along, uh, yeah. ages, you know, hobbles along yeah. until until death. Like they're not meant to live forever, so uh, it might just be uh, a play at the meaning of. It uh, might be more of, general of episode. Specific. Like, yeah, we're not, we're not you think that you can live forever, but you can't, you know, you're going to crawl, you're going to walk, you're going to hobble, and then you're going to die. Yeah, the
0: the scene <laughs> was, uh, toward the end of the episode, it's during that third scene w- uh, between William and Jim, but uh, man in black, William says, I'm beginning to think this whole enterprise was a mistake. People aren't meant to live forever. And, and so, yeah, yeah I, I can very easily, very easily see the title pertaining to the general sentiment that, that, yeah, you're supposed to age. Man is supposed to go through this life cycle where, you know, it, it comes around full circle where, and, you know, eventually become an old man and, and, and you die when your time comes. And this whole notion of, of the fountain of youth living forever, uh, you know, through this consciousness, of, you know, a host hybrid type of thing. It's just, it's, it's against the laws of nature. Yeah, and, and that yeah, is- that, that, that's how I would take it. Cool, cool. Well, excellent. So anyway, that's the meaning of this episode. So uh, thank you. Uh, I know that was a long, uh, <laughs> I think that uh, this episode ended up almost twice as long as the episode you watched on television but hopefully in <laughs> our discussions and our theories yeah. uh, thanks for sticking with us before we sign off here of course we want to encourage you to follow us on Twitter at all the spoilers you can send your theories your questions your corrections your comments to us on our email it's the show spoilers at gmail.com please uh, if you can rate and review us on iTunes Stitcher Google Play wherever you listen to the podcast uh, it helps us tremendously we do appreciate it the more ratings and reviews we get the, the higher we rank and, and the more people end up finding the podcast and spread spreading the good word. And the bigger our community can grow so we can all put on our tinfoil hats together. Uh, We got to know how much tinfoil to order (laughs) before we start making them. So uh, please help us and and continue spreading the good word. So we thank you everyone for listening. Uh, You can follow me personally on
1: Twitter at Kevin R. Brackett. Brad, where can they find you? You find me on Twitter at Heineken, H-E-Y-E-N-I-K-I-N or ReviewSTL.com.
0: Excellent. And also uh, join Real Spoilers, our sister podcast, uh, every week where we review the, the latest and greatest, well, at least the latest movie. Uh, we <laughs> dissect it uh, just like we do with the show here, but uh, we talk about some of the biggest uh, successes and the biggest failures. Uh, just to give you a little dichotomy, we reviewed Avengers Infinity War recently, which was obviously a
1: huge event. And then we also review Life of
0: the Party. So, <laughs>
1: I was yeah. wondering if you were going to plug the most recent movie of the week, because I don't yeah. know if it will attract a lot of people.
0: <laughs> go go listen to Avengers Infinity War. But no, the, the <laughs> thing is, the great thing that we do, unlike this show, we're, we're discussing we're discussing the episode of the week with you and we're going over theories and we're talking about what you think is happening with real spoilers. Not only can you discuss movies that you love, but we can also save you money by discussing movies that you never want to see in theaters. (laughs) And we can save you eight or 10 bucks because if you you don't ever go see life of the party, don't, Listen to us talk about it and have some fun with it. And there you go. We just saved you 20 bucks.
1: It really is a, a great group of guys. And I enjoy listening to to anything that they I'm glad they see the movies that I don't have to and they make, <laughs> they make fun podcasts out of it.
0: Well, thank you. And sometimes Brad even comes on as a guest, so you can go find Ooh, Brad's lot of uh, guest fun. episodes. Yeah, it's good times. So anyway, uh, follow us on Facebook, uh, facebook.com slash real spoilers and join the League of Show Shares. We've said it before. We'll say it again. Uh, it's a great little community. We've got a couple hundred people that love movies, television, music, whatever. We'll talking about Yep video games we talk about everything pop culture you can uh, talk about your your theories for different shows or you can talk about your favorite show Brooklyn Nine-Nine getting cancelled and then pick back up the next day <laughs> doesn't matter we talk about it all there so join the League of Show Shares but uh, that will do it for this episode so we will see you next week uh, we will be discussing season 2 episode 5 which uh, looks like uh, we're going to Shogun World so very excited about it yeah I can't wait so until then we'll talk to you soon I see you everybody